evening, everybody. It is 6.55 p.m. on the East Coast. That means nothing to you if you're listening to this on demand. But for those of you who are hanging out with us live, you know we start a little bit early because if you're not early, you're late. We have a good show tonight. I'm back in New York, back from my little mini vacation slash business trip at Timcast IRL. I'm sure you guys and gals have plenty of feedback. I've seen some of the feedback. In fact, this was my favorite. People were sending me screenshots of the uh, of the chat rooms over and over again. This was my favorite one. Uh, this is, I guess, this is where it, it first started out. This person called Rabid Monkey Pox says this guest better not be Jewish. So <laughs> that's how it started out. <laughs> that was my favorite one. This guest better not be Jewish. Like, it, like it, that would have just ruined their night before it got started. Okay, so welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I have, I'm going to introduce uh, our guests of the evening in, uh, I don't know, maybe about five to seven minutes or so. We're going to do our intro, some announcements. We're going to get back to business, and then, uh, then we're going to welcome Chrissy Mayer and uh, Frank Pellegrino, two personal friends of mine uh, that we have not hung out like this in years. But still, though years have separated us, everybody has been working hard and doing really amazing things. And we're just going to chill tonight. I planned for this very strategically, knowing that I would be in, uh, you know, in 300 miles away on the 28th. I said, when I come back on the 29th, I need this to be a ready-made show that I know it's just going to be very low maintenance. And it's going to be great because... When you have good conversationalists in the room, you don't have to plan that much. And now I feel uh, feel like a million bucks. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to be on the air on Tuesday the 5th. I'm taking the 5th off. But uh, tomorrow night we're going to be live. That's going to be a good one. We have Dr. Sean Morton on. He's a fiction writer, but he's got a very, very big scientific esoteric background. And I want to talk to him about the the themes inside of his books. We have uh, Rob will be in studio tomorrow, too. So that'll be fun. On Friday, July 1st, our based nutritionist, Jay Gulinello, will be back in. So we're going to be talking about nutrition and specifically barbecue season nutrition. We'll talk about, I want to ask him about post-workout nutrition myths. Finally, want to talk to him about gluten. Uh, keeping, I keep seeing all these ads about time ratios for uh, intermittent fasting, and I want to ask about that too. And uh, you know, also, the healing properties of Dr. Pepper. Is it possible that this actually has some kind of a, a, a tonic aspect to it? Because it has revived me from the dead twice now in my life. So we'll talk about that. Um, that's Friday, and then we're off for the 4th. And the 5th, and when we come back on July 6th, Adam Krigler, then Ping Trip on the 8th, Kip Herridge, we're going to be talking about finances and trying to survive the uh, the global reset financially with Kip Herridge on the 11th, Leo Zagami, want to talk about, uh, we're going to be talking about Illuminati that night That night from a guy who has, has rubbed shoulders with them for most of his life. July 14th, Jeff Harmon is coming back, the astrologer. Uh, he'll be on that Thursday night with me and Rob. We'll have to reschedule him. Uh, Timothy Alberino on July 15th, so we'll ask him about about uh, his Catman issues. 
see if we can finally get him to answer whether or not he is a cat. Sean from the SGT Report on July 18th with Corey Diggs, George Alexopoulos, and Razor Fist together on July 19th because George just did all of the illustration for Razor Fist's newest graphic novel uh, uh, series that he's launching. So we'll talk about the genre and reviving that and all that. I still have not gotten any confirmation about July 20th with G. Edward Griffin. That would be amazing, but I'm, I'm just keeping you up to date with that. And, uh, and yeah, that's all I have for now. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. That is a place where you can get insurance you could eat. That's right. All of the food, storable foods, the water filtration, radio communication, first aid, things for your pets. Everything is there. Talk to Pat and Gina if you have some budgeting issues, you don't know where to start, the whole thing just makes you stressful, well, you got to get on top of it because once you get started and once you get completed, whatever you need to make sure that you are better off than your neighbors, then there's at least one stress that's going to be off your shoulders going forward and bluemonsterprep.com. Use the promo code frankly. All right. Now, I have a couple of things I want to do before we start the show off and bring in our guests. And that first thing here is I want to go actually to... I get to the Vatican. We're going to the Vatican. So here it is. I saw this, and it, it made me think about Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano recently. We, we read him off on uh, Monday night before I went on the little hiatus there. Headline from Politico. Pelosi receives communion in Vatican despite abortion stance, which, ladies and gentlemen, should be absolutely... I mean, she had her local archdiocese ban her in San Francisco because, you know, she's a butcher. And this shouldn't be of absolutely no... No surprise to anybody. What is this? I having, I'm not having problems with, with YouTube, am I? Oh, wait a second. Oh, wait a second. Now I'm live. It's all right. It's all right. I was live everywhere else. I don't actually take that um, that that file from <laughs> for for the podcast. So it will be a complete podcast. But yeah, that's that's the way that goes. All right. So YouTube is back with us. Let me just restart this because I just started it. Pelosi receives communion in the Vatican. Even though San Francisco had, their archdiocese in, the San, in San Francisco had the sense to say, stay the hell away, you are uh, an, an abhorrent creature. But Pope Francis, Poop Francis, as you know, is a high-level Jesuit water carrier for the satanic world order. And this means absolutely nothing. They will com- continue to do this. And remember also, ladies and gentlemen, that the Vatican, Poop Francis himself, appointed Jeffrey Sachs to the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences back in 2021. This guy is a major world depopulation guy, uh, a, a, a real, real banger. So this was going, and this is why Vigano said what he said in that little, um, that open letter that we read the other day. Here, I'll get back down to it. This is where he was, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson. Uh, I think it was at the top of page two. Here it is. Specifically there are the Vatican. The Vatican Press Office, this is from Carlo Maria Vigano, The Vatican Press Office, as well as the U.S. Bishops' Conference, are reacting to this historic day with a suspicious moderation, as if it's an embarrassing duty for them. Bergoglio, the Pope, doesn't even give him the the honor of calling him uh, Holy Father. Bergoglio is silent, but he was very talkative when it came to attacking Donald Trump or supporting Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Democratic candidates. 
His silence in the face of the victory of the good over the ideology of death of the world without God still echoes the propaganda of the Bergolian church in support of the so-called vaccines and the agenda uh, 2030 of the UN, which is one of the main proponents of the reproductive health that has been imposed on nations precisely since 1973 with Roe versus Wade. Nor should we forget how the Pontifical Academy for Life, founded by John Paul II, has been disfigured over the last 10 years by including members who are notoriously in favor of abortion and contraception. That's why I was just saying um, Jeffrey Sachs. He's referring to Jeffrey Sachs. Very big one. And uh, that's why right now, ladies and gentlemen, what I would love to see is I would love to see the red dossier released. That dossier, I heard it's about 300 pages long. It was the culmination of three separate investigations that were launched under Benedict XVI that included the exposure of tons of extortion uh, operations going on, but also a very powerful gay lobby inside of the Vatican. Then again, we, you, if you want to see an example of it, there should be a New York Post article from 2017 about a, a drug-fueled gay orgy that was broken up in the Vatican. In fact, in some of the offices that are supposed to be dedicated to investigating that kind of activity. So you just want to see how, how, how proud it is. It's, it's a very proud operation. Everyone's having a good time. So, and also today, if you've been reading along with us, Windswept House, the book club, today... The 29th of June, 1963, this is the 59-year anniversary of the alleged enthronement ritual in the Vatican to in- actually enthrone Satan into the throne uh, into the uh, throne of Peter. So uh, as far as hidden history and spookiness and all that good stuff, remember, remember, it's all around us. So to hell with that. One last thing, Hillary Clinton who has known Clarence Thomas, this is from Yahoo, who has known Clarence Thomas since law school, says that he is a person of resentment, grievance, and anger. Now, if that isn't the pot calling the kettle a rotten old bitch, I don't know what is. And we are going to, we're going to kick off tonight. I think my game plan is grab bag all night. I've got great stuff here, and that's on top of me and everybody that's going to be on the show tonight, Chrissy and Frank, we've got a lot of great rapport. This is going to be an easy two hours. Plus, we'll mix in your calls, your super chats. With that being said, don't go anywhere. Share the show far and wide. Wherever the hell you're hanging out, live or on demand, share it with friends, family, enemies, all of them. Be well. David, no David, I mean, I know you're a sophisticated guy. The world is a mess. The world is as angry as it gets. Well, you think this is going to cause a little more anger? The world is an angry place. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
but um, I don't know. Before before cell phones and sperm count, it was it was uh, surge and soda. Remember that that soda surge? Yeah. Also, Mountain Dew was bad for sperm count. Yeah, all of the lighter sodas are really bad for sperm. Yeah. I don't know why. Which sodas are good for sperm? <laughs> Dr. Pepper, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would sure. hope so. Any regular soda, maybe. I think anytime you go into like a diet soda or a zero soda, and they're putting in the fake sugars and stuff to sweeten it, I'm always a little skeptical that something's going to give you cancer way quicker than otherwise. I just can't take it anymore. Can't I, I? It's you know, the, my bubble has been burst so many times with things like soda over the years, and I'm not really a big soda drinker, but every once in a while, every once in a while, and you look on the can, and it's not even just the sugar; it's the syrups and everything mm-hmm. else, and the I chemicals. Yeah. yeah. Have, have you ever made ice cream at home? No, but no. I want to. With like snow outside. You ever what? Do, you ever do that? No. Sometimes I'll just go outside and take in some of the yellow snow. <laughs> Give that a taste. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tangy. Oh, by the way, you were great at the the Minds Festival of Ideas. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to see you guys there, especially at the VIP meet and greet. I know. You mean the sauna? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh my God. That was wild. There was a picture of you and uh, Zuby Music, and I'm in the back, the back of you guys in the background, and I'm I, I'm clutching my Amstel light. It was the only <laughs> thing, it was the only the cold only, thing in the room. It's the only yeah. thing keeping me conscious. I love that picture because you're photobombing Chrissy, Carrie Smith, Zuby, and Libby, Libby Emmons. Emmons. Then behind you is my younger brother photobombing you on top of it with a big goofy smile. Really? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can pull it up. It's, it's oh, you know what? Here, it's I'll actually it's a great picture. It's fun. I'll check it out. It's on really Zuby's will. timeline or Twitter feed. Well, so so Chrissy, are you back in? Are you back in the full? When did you get? Well, I know that you have a very full touring schedule, but when did you get back into the full swing of things, uh, touring with your act? post-COVID. Did I ever... I never really stopped. I think I just did more local backyard shows. Hmm. Not that long. I don't think I was pausing for that long. Maybe... I don't know. Maybe no, you were out pretty quick. Yeah. A few months. Is anybody even... Is anybody even bothering with college campuses anymore? Oof. Because I haven't done a college in years. Because I was... Even, even prior to 2020, that was becoming almost like a... Uh, a no-go uh, zone uh, for oh, comedians, yeah, because yeah, it's just like you can't bond with these people. Like they, they haven't. They're still kids. They haven't lived life yet. Number one, and now they're all kind of indoctrinated into this woke ideology. It's it's even harder to connect with them. Yeah, and when, once you see Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock speaking up against doing college shows, you know there's a problem because they could work clean all they want. Yeah, they just know that these students and these teachers and this faculty, they're going to find something to get upset about and try and. You know, get everyone together. Oh, here's our oh, chance, yeah. students. Let's. That's, uh, they've rally. learned that that is their way to feel powerful by canceling speakers or comedians or well, curriculum. It's crazy. They're they're able to actually get their teachers fired too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I've seen I've seen several of these um, these like these mobs form outside of outside of professors' offices because they didn't like what they were being taught. Like, can you imagine going to a school and demanding that a teacher teach you exactly what you want in the way that you want it, and and it has to conform to some kind of a new religion that you have found yourself? If I was emboldened to protest what I was being taught, I'd be outside math, professor's office, science, any STEM subjects. I would be like, no, make this dumber so I can understand it. Hey, here's that picture. So there. Oh yeah. So there I am in the background. There I am in the background. I can't even get. I can't get closer. Whatever. So I'm clutching that Amstel light, and there's your brother behind. You're literally me. like wiping sweat away in this photo. I'm I'm beating. Everybody was beating up with sweat. 
I was amazed with how long people stayed in this room considering how hot it was. I know. Everybody wanted a network and it's hobnob with whoever they could. Now, what's interesting about this picture... Oh, there's Matt. Oh, there's there's my buddy Matt right there in the, in the top oh, right yeah. corner. Yeah. The guy to your right, our left, uh, was just at a pride rally with a huge sign with Kerry Smith and Mike Harlow protesting pride. And Alex Stein. Alex Stein was with them, too. And they just were trying to instigate a little bit, and they got, like, really harsh reactions, really. People were starting to get violent with them. Yeah, what, they were what, getting screamed at. What the hell was his name? What the sign Chris say? Billboard. Yeah, yeah, Chris Billboard. I don't know what the sign said, but it was like... Something, one of the signs factual, right? said... I retweeted it. It's on my timeline away, but... Um, one of the signs said, like, dad, like, definition of dad is, like, mm -hmm. one who protects their kid from woke ideology. Um, and then they were, you know. Is it billboard? Trans, guy? like, trans-related talking points. It's pretty ballsy. And then the Mike does. Harlow, who is gay, was, the, you know, people don't never know what to make of a Mike Harlow because he's gay. And then he'll be, like, you know, talking about, like, anti-woke is, <laughs> is, like, evil and anti-trans and, you know. This has been the roughest pride, and I, I, in a great way, for uh, for anybody who has has seen this building in its in, its level of insanity and and the the confidence in which it has uh, it's been on display. This has been really really rough for people who are pro yay pride because it just been it's been nothing but nasty displays the entire time. All these events are just are just pockmarked. With, with things that are, they should be, I mean, people should be getting arrested at every parade at yeah. this point. And they're really forcing a lot of different stuff. Like, I think um, they invited Planned Parenthood to march in the Pride Parade because the Roe v. Wade was overturned, I think, right before New York City Pride. So it's like, okay, yeah, gay people aren't really, abortions aren't really something they struggle with, yet <laughs> it's all part of corporatism it's, it's all true. part of the the message the ideology exactly so. the last thing that's happening uh is reproduction yeah, yeah. for for gay, gay people the last thing that's happening is reproduction on the other hand um every i mean out of the 70 million children on the low side that have been aborted since 1973 god knows how many of them uh would have ended up being gay uh but you can't even say anymore what you just said because in theory when a trans man and a trans woman love each other very much, Frank. That's right. They have a baby. They have a they be. A they be. A they be. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't. You can't even say those things anymore, dude. So okay. So then, when you're writing, because obviously here I am, Chrissy, and I, I come out here and I, I make my, my jokes, but this is you. You write on a different level for the stage. What is your approach now that this is the level of uh, parody that we actually accept as reality? Like, where, where do you where do you actually go to first? Do you just try to stay as based as possible? Because obviously you can't go to make a caricature hmm. anymore because we're living in caricature land. I, I just don't I just don't know. I figured that would have been the toughest thing for me. Um, the process is very sporadic. Like I. Uh, I'm not someone who's ever been good at sitting down and, and writing for an hour a day. Or, like, some comics are very good. They'll just be very disciplined and, and write for hours every day. And, and, like, yeah, I could always blame the fact that I always had a day job up until this past December. But I just, I'm not disciplined in that way. I find I'm, I'm very much inspired by 
uh, like if there's a character or someone in the news, like Frost was a good example. She was a, a woman who was uh, on the G4 channel, which is a gaming channel, and she went viral several months ago because she went on this big rant about sexism in gaming, and she's somebody who replaced uh, a couple of girls who were like fun and hot and like, you know, t you know, Typically feminine looking, had fun with their sexuality. Like uh, Morgan Webb and Olivia the other Munn. one, and Livia Munn. Yeah. And Frosk, Frosk Urine is her real name. She's typical, I think she's a lesbian, like short, spiky hair, nose ring, kind baggy of just clothes. baggy clothes, like typical, like dyke looking chick. And she basically went on the sexism and gaming rant and is shitting on the fans. Um, and she, as you hear her on this rant, you're like, oh, she's obsessed with like whether or not people find her attractive and instead of just doing what she does accepting like all people of the internet you're gonna get haters you're gonna get people who love you if you can't handle it maybe you shouldn't be in the public eye yeah and she was someone i was very inspired to do like a character of and i i did that on friday night tights and they, they clipped that up that one sort of so i like writing for a specific kind of assignment and uh the minds show was a really good example because i was hosting that event and like Frank was awesome. Like, I was bouncing stuff off of him. He's helping me, you know. He wrote a couple of the jokes, too, and, and like, really helped me kind of sculpt this opening for this Minds event because I really wanted it to be tailored to these people, these speakers, you know, the the panel subjects. Um, and that's kind of very motivating for me because it's, it's time-oriented. Like, you have a firm deadline. It's something that stresses me out, but at the same time, it feels good to kind of rise to the challenge and do a good job. Yeah, no, and, and I wish I could remember some of the jokes because me, Anthony, and, and Matt, we were off down down in the orchestra section somewhere, and I can't remember, but the opening is the only, one of the only things I saw because I, we had to leave in the middle of that first panel because I had a, a broadcast here to do at 10, and I, I was having a great time with some of those jokes, and I, <laughs> I've always given you credit for just not, not giving a shit. You, you've, you've, you've always been very courageous. And even Frank was pushing me, like, no, you got to go harder. Like, he, you know, you were having <laughs> me. T I was reading jokes off to you. You're like, take that out. That's too safe. No, I, especially when you went after Minds itself. Yeah, we're like, what? <laughs> their, their slogan is, at least we're not parlor. Like, uh, you know, when I got this gig, I was like, what is Minds? Like, what the hell is it? You know, I or, or the fact that you said that they, they had made history for getting all of their users in the same room. Yeah. That, <laughs> listen, this is, that was my, that's my biggest thing. Every time I talk to Bill Altman, or if I get him on the, uh, get him on the phone for a show, or when he's in the studio or something, the, the, the first thing I do is I book him. The second thing I do is I say, shit, I have to go make my minds. Uh, right, I have to right. My minds. I have to make another account on another platform. Dude, yeah. it's too many. That I'm not going to post on. I they understand. just need to have a thing where you post in one place and it, it formats for each platform. Right. Yeah, like um, Hootsuite. But now you got to add Parlor. you got to add Gab. you got to add uh, uh, Telegram, Truth. Telegram. Getter. There's too many. I never went back to Parlor after it got taken down. Yeah. I just don't. I didn't care. I I, I have a. Parlor had some momentum though before it went down. Yeah. It did. But I, none of the other ones can are are gaining any traction. I don't think. Except for, of course for mines. Right. <laughs> of course mines. Of course. Yes. No mines because that's on another level right there. Especially when you're talking the blockchain. What I like. I don't understand the blockchain. But what I kind of thought was interesting about mines is when you sign up and tell me Frank if this came up for you, they ask you. Do you want to see views that agree with yours or that disagree with yours? 
Oh, I don't. And then you can click yes, no, or neither. And I was like, that's really interesting. Hmm. They straight up ask you if you want to see just views that you agree with. I see. I I when I signed up, it was years ago. I've had okay. problems keeping the account current and active, but I do not remember my sign-up process at all. Okay. This was recently. Maybe it's a new thing. Yeah, I, I just signed up uh, like probably a month or two ago. I thought when Bill was on, he talked about how, because I asked him, well, you know, what is your deal with content moderation? Because uh, everybody's so jaded about this, about censorship and all that stuff. But if you are, especially if you're, you know, you have a, a product out there in the marketplace, like the app store or something like that, and you are in the social media uh, industry, you got to have some kind of, you have to have something. You know, there's got to be a way to just strike a happy medium, something that everybody would, would, you know, in a normal time, say is common sense. And that's when he told us about their little, like, almost like their group moderation methods. And it's almost like trial by jury. Did he tell Anyway, I don't no, know. Oh, I should have asked him about this. Yeah. I he, just was like, what time should I show up? <laughs> no, nuts. <laughs> you know what I liked about them? They had, a, they had a sense of humor about everything. And uh, I got to stand or sit backstage for a lot of the show. And I, f I don't remember which joke you made about mines, but Sean turned around, shook his head, and said, "Shit, that was pretty good." <laughs> no, I forget which one it was, but it was good. They yeah. had a they had a good sense of humor about it all, though. Yeah. No, there's a couple of mines rib ribbings in the uh, in the in the opening that I really loved, and I thought it, once again, oh, you're doing it right to them here. That's good. I like I like when you you bite the hand that feeds for every once in a while. It's it's you know it keeps things spicy. You guys want to do some headlines? Yes. Sure. Okay, um, I, then I want to start with this. Uh, this is this is a, a story. Well, no, no, let's just go to the J6 thing. Now, you guys heard about the, the limo? The limo yeah. thing? I saw Sebastian Gorka posted this photo of, like, yeah, it was the Trump way in the back and the driver way in the front. And is that correlated to, um, what is there, a new whistleblower at the White House saying that Trump supposedly, like, leapt forward and tried to move the steering wheel or something tried like that. to take over the limo. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's a new well, a new whistleblower that they brought into this this committee hearing thing, this television production. And she uh, cuz yeah, they always they always get the most willing dupes. And that's what it is is a television production because they hired an ABC producer for this which was unprecedented for any committee uh, that they had set up prior, like in the history. Yeah, the same guy that everybody's been pointing it out, the same guy that shit-canned the Jeffrey Epstein investigation that What's-Her-Name was going through in 2018, 19, or, or we, we learned about it in 2018 or 19, because they didn't want to, they wanted to cause any, no, they were working on it in 2016, he shit-canned it at ABC because they didn't want to cause problems for the Clinton campaign. Wow. Because Bill, of course, is implicated in all of that, which yeah. is, once again, with this Ghislaine Maxwell thing where they put her on suicide watch even right. though she's not suicidal. They said she's not suicidal, but we're putting her on suicide watch. We're going to make her suicidal. <laughs> and that whole thing goes by. We not, not You mentioned it in your opening. Not one client. Not one client. Oh, wait, wait, did you mention it? I was thinking it. I don't know if I said it at Mines, but like we, I've seen a lot of people talk about this. Like We haven't seen any client list uh, from Ghislaine Maxwell. Forgot where I, I, but everyone's obsessed with anybody who sauntered into the building on January 6th. But that's the whole point. So they had this limo thing and uh, this this girl, I forget her name, she's just another worthless whatever. And she she says that Trump was trying and it's because she heard it from someone. She heard, heard it. There was no first-hand account. 
but that is that is on the up and up and the intelligence community now ever since ukraine because remember back then the intelligence community inspector general the ig there he what the hell was his name i'm i, I can't believe i'm blanking on it this is i usually pull it out at a you know out of nowhere these names now but uh they change it so that you don't have it doesn't have to be first-hand account and and by all means all the ukraine stuff in 2019 was like third-hand account and here you have this girl going up to this committee saying i heard from someone who knows sounds like a washington post article hmm. that he tried to leap into the the, the driver's cabin take the wheel and say don't go, go take me to the capitol now listen to this here's a headline from today this is from the mirror and it's getting around it just it gets worse and worse Donald Trump played song from the Cats musical to, no. com- to calm himself down in White House his staff claimed <laughs> which song well, yeah which song was it let's see uh, let's see uh, memories I hope it's memories Meow nickname, staff reports summoning his aide nicknamed the music man to play songs from musicals they knew would soothe him, namely Memory. <laughs> That's great. From Broadway musical Cats. It's it, This is... Now, I, I said this before on Twitter, and I, I want to talk to you guys about it right now. I said, when all of this is said and done, somebody needs to actually write a screenplay. Oh, yeah. Call it J6. <laughs> and it has to be a, a an honest commitment to all of the craziest things that they said he did which are obviously bullshit everything i think it would be remembered as one of the greatest comedy slash melodramas donald trump's big adventure oh Oh, yeah everything trump's big day out yeah (laughs) i mean it can dude i would love that movie it could be flashback based because if you're it can maybe be taking um conversation from like jace this committee thing because the media reporting about all of this stuff has been just as big of a caricature as anything else. Mm-hmm. So you can't cut them out. The modern-day ridiculousness of trying to sell the importance of this mosh pit is, hmm. is, is, is necessary. But Adam Kinzinger crying. Uh, the crying Capitol AOC Police. AOC claiming that she was raped and then being like, I wasn't there, but I was still raped. Yeah, I was there. She, she said raped? Yeah, emotionally. She, she Attacked said she was, she was pretty, yeah, feared for her life. She, she was, she on the was other afraid right. she was going to be raped. Yeah. On the other side of the campus in an unoccupied building. And, and of course, the Capitol Police officers who were crying as if they were sent to Iwo Jima. Right. Uh, It just, it just, it goes on and on. But this past week with the limo story and the Cats musical, it's like a fever dream. Wow. They're obsessed with him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, see, Trump has a sense of humor. I would love it. If the next time he does a rally, he comes out to that cat song memory. memory. Oh, my God. He's got to do it. It was. It would be. Nobody. I'm feeling calm now. Everyone, relax. (laughs) Take it easy. See, that's yeah. And that's the way you own it. Yep. Nobody believes it anyway. But if he comes out and owns it even more, it makes him look ridiculous. And that's 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 the meme magic that needs to come back. The memetics are are actually starting to. I can feel the static charge building again with the memes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was kind of. We were kind of like the dead. super. Ma- what was it Mega Maga? Ultra, Ultra Maga? Maga. Ultra and Dark Maga. Dark Maga. Are one. those the black people? No. <laughs> no. Dark Maga. <laughs> no. Actually, nah. This was funny. People started talking about how they would. Uh, I forgot where they started popping up, but they did a lot of this almost like negative imagery with with Trump. Obviously, the the activated glowing red eyes, yeah. um, a lot of uh, a lot of really dark techno um, synth wavy kind of music, uh, and then also this imagery 
of him coming back in 2024 for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to exact revenge on everyone. And to reveal uh, JFK Jr. And they, yeah. yeah. And He's they, so hard. And they called it Dark MAGA, and people were, they, like they thought it was a, it was a, a, a hilarious aesthetic. And of course, they went to some like Nazi aesthetics too to, to really go over the top with it. But of course, the media picked it up like, Duh, look, it's, it's, it's real this time. You know, speaking of Nazi imagery, this is a little, I was driving through Ardsley today. Uh-huh. And on the telephone poles, in a lot of towns, you'll see something about uh, veterans or U.S. flags. In Ardsley, every other telephone pole alternates between the American flag and the rainbow flag. Oh, no. At the same height. Wow. Yeah. And Equal I don't know, billing. Equal billing. Yeah. I thought it was very strange. Oh, they don't care. That's what they had. I, I noticed uh, the Ploy Scouts or the Soy Scouts, uh, yeah. a.k.a. the Boy Scouts that were marching in the Pride Parade, had literally were alternating American flag, Pride flag. You know, the flag bearers were, like, alternating perfectly. Jeez. And I'm like, how did they get equal billing? I don't think it's sh- – I, I, I don't have a problem with people celebrating having the Pride flag. But but the, the new one is cringy with all the different triangles. Oh, ugly, out. yeah. But it's got to be the U.S. flag first. Yeah, and highest. Yeah, highest I, and first. I, I do have a problem with it, to be honest. At first, I was like, okay, well, that's you know, that's a pretty gay flag, you know. Oh, well, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have a gay flag. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we have a rainbow. Oh, wow. Well, I, it's apropos because it's gay, but I think uh, now I, all of that, all of my even comical good feelings about it are all gone because a it has and it's becoming more fractal of an image as you said the newer ones with the the in cuts and the circles and the 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 specs and it's weird and it's kaleidoscopic Mm -hmm. and and that is a perfect it's actually apropos because it perfectly reflects the mentality of the movement yeah because the rainbow was inclusive of everybody there was no need to add literally remember the multicultural crayola box like back in grade school when it first came you're like oh all different shades of brown it's like the rainbow didn't need that because it was you know it started out being inclusive of everybody the fact that you are adding in a brown and black stripe it just tells me that you're making this about race and you're making this about you're sewing in more division and it's no longer about inclusivity it's exclusive and it's excluding only sp- very specific types of people now. It's exclusivity, and it's also hierarchical. Yeah. There, there is a very defined hierarchy, and yep. now that we, and and to see where we where we have slid toward, um, I am compl- I, I, I my stomach turns at the sight of that damn fucking flag, um, and because a it doesn't represent gay people, as I said the other right. night, doesn't represent gay people. It is a purely militant political movement. Yep. And I I it's it's horrible. And now and now I'm actually uh I just I now I'm actually just mad that they co-opted one of the more remarkably beautiful natural phenomena there is out there and that are rainbows. It's like, ugh, now I like I don't want to look up at the sky, see a rainbow and think this. I feel the same way about the fists with the Black Lives Matter. I'm like, now I just can't uh fist like I used to. I know. This, you just <laughs> completely ruined the fisting. Yeah. The, I, I mean, we've struggled in the bedroom ever since that happened. <laughs> now I don't know what to do. Yeah. What do we Here's do? A foot. Do you wonder if they're pushing the, the gay shit so much because BLM like just embarrassed themselves so much with the with catching the uh, the women who had just bought multiple mansions and were obviously taking the money for themselves. I wonder if that's why they're leaning into the LGBT stuff more. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it, it, you you usually see them fold this stuff up into other things they can control. I mean, let's just be honest, BLM 
is Occupy Wall Street that was it's a lot harder to con it's the exact same platform they made it racial so it's a lot more it's it's harder for people to just call everybody behind it dirty unwashed commie thugs mm-hmm. um, because that's exactly how Occupy Wall Street was was dismissed when that popped up around 2011 uh, I remember we went down. We went down to cover it as a network. I went down there with the the Zadalza, you know, logo uh, microphone Mike. down in Zuccotti Park and all that stuff. And it took one day in Zuccotti Park to realize Occupy Wall Street is is ridiculous commie bullshit. Was it like yeah. Chaz? It it was yes. yes. It was it was just as stinky. It was horrible. I went down there to check it out a couple times. There that day that we were there, there must have been about 500 people milling around. Um, and out of the, the hundreds of people that I saw, there were only two guys, and they weren't even together. One guy, his name was Jason. We actually stayed friends for a while, then we lost touch. And another guy, he, I think he was only 15 years old. Two people out of everybody there talking about the Federal Reserve. Wow. Everybody else was asking for their loans to be forgiven. They were asking for banks to come in and do equal, e- equalize society. All that. Sh- it's, and, and then, of course, that just kind of went away. That kind of went away because people can smell it, and um, and uh, and then a couple of years later, I think 2013 or so, around that's where uh, that's where we got Black Lives Matter, which is a Occupy Wall Street redux, hmm. but it's got blackface and it's harder to criticize because you get called a racist. Right. Yep. Brilliant. So I mean. There you go. Hey, did you see Nancy Pelosi shove the little girl? Yes. <laughs> that was such a classic grandma move. Yeah. I'm like, get out of my... And you can like, like, this, like this little girl had little tipped, over, tipped over her martini. She should have gotten out of the way, that little brat. Here, look. This is it. This is it. Now, this was at... Um, where the, where was this? Uh, Myra the Flores. swearing in. Yeah. Yeah. Myra <laughs> Flores was being sworn in for Congress. And here is Nancy Pelosi. Let me see here. There we go. Now watch the little girl, the little girl to her right. Watch this. She looks down and she shoves. <laughs> you saw that. That is a shove away. That's get away. Get away. You're you, in my personal space. You nuisance. If you can smell vodka, you're too close. Look at that. And she just kind of stuck with it, stuck with it. She And here, looks down, sees the nuisance, and then... Pushes good. Get away. And I don't even think the girl. I, I wonder if the little girl thought that that was an accident of, and just moved back. She, she definitely did. The little girl definitely did not think anything of it. Uh, only we, the omniscient observer, can see what was actually happening and the intent of what Nancy did. Now, <laughs> this is a couple of days old. The reason why I bring this up is because one of Nancy Pelosi's staffers offered up an explanation that just makes it so much worse. Oh. Listen Listen to this. Drew Hamill says, It's sad to see how news outlets that know better misrepresent the speaker's effort to ensure that Representative huh? Flores' daughters wouldn't be hidden oh behind her. Oh, my fucking God. you got to play it again now. Let's, yeah. let's think about it, like... A, Objectively, here so let's let's see what it looks Nancy's like. This attempt this to put this girl more in front of cameras and to highlight her. Yes, yeah. This this was a hold on. Where where is it? She's looking, looking, looking. She knocks into look. She knocks in. No. She moves her away. If you're trying to highlight her, you kind of gesture. You kind of go behind her and you. You, and you put your arm her. around her. Yeah, you, you help pull her bring in. her into the frame. Yes. Where's her left arm? Is it around that dude? 
or or she herself would have stepped no. back so that the little girl could go forward. No, I see I see her rigor mortis hand this right is there. Such I mean, bullshit. this is where you have to appreciate President Joe Biden. Uh-huh. He would not do that. He would bring her right in front of him oh, yes. and, and smell her Take hair. Take a good sniff. She'll be front and center for everybody to see. Mm. But that's, that's not happening here. This is why we have to appreciate Joe Biden. Ugh. Yeah. No, it's serious. Uh, I'm th- not shoving him away. I'm bringing him in. <laughs> Daughters wouldn't be hidden behind her in all the photos of such an important moment for their family. She wow. would have said, It would have been better girls. if they had said nothing, if they had no comment. The girls should yeah. have been placed right here yes in, in front, front of, of them. the mom if yeah. that's what was going on and here. this is definitely a real journalist this isn't like a, a parody this is satire no no that's that, that's that that's a staffer drew hamill is a deputy chief of staff for speaker of pelosi because you know the entire world got trolled by a fake supreme court justice the other day right yes yeah. what do you mean counting no what happened he <laughs> put his profile picture as him and basically like a judge case photoshop Supreme Court justice outfit. Yeah. He changed his name to Justice Dankula. Justice Dankula. His fans made uh, a fake Wikipedia and he was commenting on Roe v. Wade stuff just matter-of-factly and people were sending him death threats. And he kept oh, it up it for like so three funny. or four days. It's like yeah. one of the greatest trollings ever. Because they thought that he was a, a judge. That's how stupid Americans are. Yeah. They have no idea that one of the nine Supreme Court justices is not named Dankula. Dankula. Like, I don't know if I can name all nine, but if you said, is Dankula one of them? I'd say no. Let's see. Kavanaugh, Alito, Coney Barrett. Thomas. Um, Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas. Uh, the older Sotomayor. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. the one. How many are we up to? That's six, right? That's six? Okay. Or no, is that five? That's five, I think. That's five, so. Fuck, the other one's... Haven't been uh, put my trending, my I guess. You have it. That's great. Well, well, there's one that's retiring on tomorrow, and he's being replaced by Katanjo Brown. Oh, right. Oh, the one so that's what not is a, a biologist? Briar. Yeah. What is a woman? So Briar is right now up until uh, until tomorrow. Wow. Kagan. That uh, one I don't recognize. John anymore. Roberts, Gorsuch. John Roberts. Okay. And Gorsuch. All right. I only the only one I did not recognize is Kagan. Yeah. Well, she's just a mashed potato lady. She, she just looks like a lump of mashed potatoes. And she was never actually even a uh, a lawyer or a judge. I think she just worked for the ACLU. She's never trending. That's why we can't remember right. her. Yeah. But the name Dankula, you'd fucking remember yes. Supreme Court yeah. <laughs> Court Justice Dankula. Absolutely. Well, but, you know, this is part of something else. I, somebody had asked me. I brought it up a couple times over the last few broadcasts because these things just, I don't know, they just bring me back to that focus. Um, I was asked in an email from one of our viewers, Frank, do you think that the age of the politician is over? And I, I you know, it's a wonderful question, and the answer is resoundingly yes. The age of the politician is over. The age of the, the Hollywood celebrity is over. The, the Thank Holly- God. The star, it's, it's over. Now, that's great because it has opened up people's eyes to new forms of media, whether it be... Uh, history, education, um, entertainment, news, new media is unstoppable, and it's just the way it is now. Um, but, but, what it also has done, which is going to, which is may lead us down some really dark paths, is it has eliminated, um, since all of the common ground we had to make politics in the past, ne- uh, you know, uh, a little bit more 
palatable, where if we believe in free speech, we believe in one thing or another that, that creates a common bond or a foundation, and we're all seeing reality in the same way, then at least we can, we can, um, we can debate about the nuances of one bill or another, or is this appropriate? For, for federal government to do this or not, and we don't lose our, our, our sense of humanity in each other. But since we're looking at reality from two, two different places, and it's so hard to even decipher what reality is, we are like knocking on the door of sectarian, you know, tribal violence. Mm. You know, it is so much more spiritual and religious at this point. Um, even if Dankula was a judge, <laughs> the fact that this is the way that people respond, I mean, even if he was a judge mm -hmm. and they weren't just getting trolled, I mean, they elicited, he elicited real responses. And I think I'm going to disagree with you. I think we are entering a new age where the politicians are actually the celebrities. These are our modern-day celebrities. These are our demagogues at this point. Look at Colbert. Well, they would be priests. Yeah. They're clergy. They are. That's what they are. People are idolizing them. They're associating Hillary Clinton with Beyonce. Yep. They're looking at Donald Trump and Kanye. These are Cardi people that they're, B and Biden. Yeah, yeah. This is a problem. And it's not getting better because anybody who gets into politics today is a news anchor on MSNBC tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to get worse. The MSNBC anchor, you can name the people who have had shows on CNN. I couldn't do that 10 years ago. You can go through the whole lineup on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC without even blinking. Wow. Yeah. It's it, politics. It's it tremendous. is literally our religion now, and it's bad. It's and it's point. only going to get worse for a while. I think it's going to pop when people finally start to wake up more and more. But the longer this is going on, the more indoctrinated, especially the people on the left, are going to become. And they're going to worship them even more. They're going to go and see. Look, the Minds Festival Ideas, that wasn't comedy. That wasn't theater. That was politics. Thousands of, what, 1,000, 1,500 people showed up, spent $70, $100 to watch political pundits and talking heads with Oof. personalities, have you, and, but just to hear them fallings. talk yeah. and to argue and debate. This wasn't a thing 10 years ago. It, right. was, it was entertaining. People are watching Destiny get booed. They're watching yeah. in real time. Tribalism ja in front of you. James O'Keefe do a gotcha to this Ben Burgess guy who I hadn't heard of. See, I, I, I'm telling you, I really, I was, I, I was telling, I, I apologized to Anthony and Matt, and they, they kept saying, "Don't worry about it, don't worry about it." Well, you know, it'll, maybe it'll happen again one day. I apologized profusely uh, that I had to leave because that first panel alone, I mean, there wasn't any, nobody was bumping heads on that first panel. Like, you know, Ian Crossland was on it, and and uh, uh, the guy from Blair Mumford, White. Mumford and Sons, yeah, Winston and Marshall, Blair, Blair White, and um, I forget who else. But, or Bill Altman. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to see, you know, what happened when, uh, when, what's his name? Um, James O'Keefe? No. Um, Cornell West? Cornell West. Oh, he's yeah. great. Uh, we, well, I'm saying he's great. I shouldn't give a shit about Cornell West. Yeah. I should be, I should give a shit about Mumford and Sons is there. You know what yeah. I mean? That's yeah. what I should care about. But we don't care anymore. We stopped going to see concerts and comedy shows. We started watching things on TV. This is this is not a good direction for our country. No, no, because like I said, the culture is is very very bad right now. It's very bad right now, and that's why I, I like I like doing dedicating a lot of time on this show to talking about 
the past, sometimes the ancient past. In uh, conspiracy theory, when people talk about that, I, uh, you know, some things are mis mislabeled conspiracy theory, mm -hmm. but I think that conspiracy theory, in its most purest form, is a very useful and helpful uh, exercise because there's always a theory and there's always something for it, but, but it, it, there's always something behind everything. People always see things differently as we all have, uh, have noticed here, but it's a wonderful exercise in, in being able to pick something apart, find consistency and actually judge along with other people civilly whether or not an, uh, one uh, idea or another has any merit no matter how outlandish it is. So I, that's why I love it yeah. because it's, it's an exercise that I think makes people better and you can actually have a good time along the way. And there's theories for everything. Okay. I mean, do you know that there's a theory that all birds are fake? Yep. I was about to ask you, if you had to choose between listening to a person go on about birds aren't real or flat earth, what would you rather hear? Because uh, both are a blast. I don't... I Well, we have a lot of flat earthers that watch this show. I think I would... I think they're both interesting. I've heard from more flat earthers, and I enjoy hearing their theories. I yeah. haven't heard from a single person who's like, like I would love to have someone sit down and be like, yeah, explain to me why birds aren't real. I've like, seen so yeah. many dead birds though, and it there, there's not ro there's, they're not robotics. It, it's flesh and bone in there. I stepped on a bird once by accident. Guts all popped out. Yeah. So but I, I would love maybe uh, that one you, was Chrissy. real. There's, yeah. a, there's at least a couple of real ones out there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, what, what was I saying? Oh, Cornell West. Yeah, yeah. Last time I spoke about that guy on this show, it was, I, I was like, I was ripping him a new one because of his behavior on MSNBC or wherever the hell it was when he started calling uh, Leo Terrell Negro this, Negro that, because Leo Terrell was, was, was uh, you know, he was speaking poorly about Democrat Party and, and how he is taking his allegiances elsewhere and he's voting more conservatively. And they had this ridiculous, you know, two black guys yelling at each other. Mm -hmm. And and I always just look at him as, uh, you know, just the, one of those revolutionary types uh, might smile to your face, but just hate you mm. uh, behind your back. But anyway, we get to the the hotel for the meet and greet. The meet, sauna. Yeah, the yeah. sauna. The Lucerne. The yeah. Lucerne. Which that whole hotel had air conditioning problems. Our room was like 100 degrees as well. We woke up Fucking like in the middle sucked. of the night sweating. Really? We just yeah. left early. You should have you slept in the lobby. It was like a we freezer should've. in there. Yeah. I, uh, me and Anthony and Matt were outside of the Lucerne Hotel waiting for our buddy Nick to come and meet us because we were going to go up and, and have a good time. Eventually, we just came up because he was a little bit late. But as we're out there, you know, we're, we, we, I strike up a couple of conversations, just random New Yorkers that are just hanging out. But then out comes Cornell West. And he's, he actually strikes up a conversation with Matt for a little bit, you know, the small talk. And then he looks at me, and he, you know, he, he, a little, little, uh, a little bow, and hello, how are you? Uh, be strong, brother. Be strong. And I'm like, uh, good to see you, Mr. West. And he's like, oh, good, have a wonderful. And he, he was so gracious. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I was just ripping him apart, uh, you know, a, a year and a half ago when he was blowing up like an animal on Leo Terrell, and here he is, this, this humble, shake your hand kind of a, you know, guy. 
calling yeah. everyone his brother. And I'm like, yeah, what I was. The fuck I is had, going on? I hadn't heard of him before the event, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, he's really charming. He's really like me and Frank were joking, like he could start a cult tomorrow and get a yeah. lot of people. He's very enthusiastic, and he's like, oh, brother, this, I brother, that. Like, I take a selfie with him. I'm like, oh, sweet guy. Like his wife was backstage. Yeah, and during the panel, beyond charismatic, so calm, cool, generous in conversation, like. I, you forget sometimes that even if you have disagreements with people on any side of the spectrum, that these are humans. And though some may be very misguided and be screaming on TikTok about Roe v. Wade, they're all humans. And Cornell West, and I don't know all of his views, but he's got a genuinely good heart. He really, you can feel it. Like when I met him as well, same thing. Like this is a good person. Yeah. I might not like some things he says, but he believes wholeheartedly what he's saying. Hmm. Yeah, and I that, wish you saw that, that panel. That he I was on, it was Daryl Davis moderating, and he was the guy who convinced like over 200 people to leave and denounce the KKK. And that was one of my jokes. That's how I brought him to the stage. I'm like, your next moderator, you know, uh, convinced over 200 people to leave and denounce the KKK. So what I'm saying is, there are openings. <laughs> <laughs> See me after. <laughs> and he laughed at that. I, I was worried, like, ugh, who's gonna like not like some of these jokes? He, he did laugh at that one. He did laugh That's at that. Great. Yeah, and um, Coleman Hughes. So it was like those three guys, and um, it was it was interesting. And I, my takeaway from the panel was like. Yeah, you have to acknowledge someone's lived experience. You know, it's so easy for, like, I'll sometimes go on tangent, like, oh, racism doesn't exist. It's all bullshit. It's like, okay, you have to acknowledge people's lived experiences. That, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and I've had that conversation with a few of my friends, white and black, that come from, that, that come from really hard, hard places in the country hard neighborhoods where they grew up together it were it was more so of a you know they 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 saw it they understood it and um i've been told before yeah but frank you don't understand i i have i have had the run-ins i've had with police the the run-ins i've had with this type of type of person in this place whatever it was all race-based uh, i wish i wish it could just be a perspective thing i say and i always say you have to know where i'm coming from Though, as mm -hmm. a person who never experienced this stuff, who came from the, uh, the the suburbs in New York, I am never taking away somebody's personal experience. In fact, I mean, there are people, there are there are black people who very rightfully distrust white people because of experiences they've had. There are white people who very rightfully distrust black people because of experiences they had. It's just an individual thing. On the other hand, when you take the reality that the world is just a chaotic and sometimes unforgiving place and it's filled with assholes of all colors and all stripe when you take that aside what are people pro proposing what are people proposing to to equalize all of this stuff on your behalf right because ultimately it comes if you were never taught racism it would just come down to the individual you'd be like right. this individual treated me badly and if you have no concept of racism oh well this is part of a bigger trend like i almost wish that it could just be up to oh well this individual is an asshole it doesn't mean all white people act like this but then again how many bad asian drivers have we seen on the highway i was literally about to say that how many times <laughs> do you have to see an asian woman in her 80s driving 20 miles an hour in the left lane of the Springbrook parkway how many times do you see that before you say you know maybe asians aren't good drivers well, hey, hey, you know, we bring this up a couple times. We're at here's the Daily Mail. We are at risk of creating a generation of racist and sexist robots. Study shows artificial intelligence. <laughs> 
quickly becomes bigoted after learning toxic stereotypes oh, on the funny. internet. Now, when I see this, I say, is it toxic stereotypes or is it just the crime statistics? You know? Mm. What websites are they looking at? Is it World Star Hip Hop? Right. I, I just, I don't know. But, you know, the, the input is, uh, is all human based. And it's... I, wow, the AI are actually like, they're dealing in reality. But to humans that want everything to be nice and equal and they don't want stereotypes to exist. They go, oh, these are toxic stereotypes. But the AI is like, no, we're just observing neutrally. Every time they put out a new public AI and it starts sourcing from the public and putting things out there, it, it, it becomes completely racist and anti-Semitic. And I, I think it's hilarious, to be honest. I, I don't, I, bigotry's not for me personally, but whenever this, I, when things go wrong, Depending on what it is, I love the chaos that uh, that ensues. <laughs> you never answered that question from that the chat on uh, Tim Pool. Is this guest is this guest uh, Jewish? <laughs> oh, please tell me. This Wait, ima imagine an AI gets so good and reads so deeply into stereotypes that those Google Drive cars, anytime a black dude walks by, it just automatically locks. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, it, it's almost like uh, it would be something oh like God. that, and. Um, and I don't know. It's, fuck. Where are we going? Where are we going from here? Oh, speaking of AI. Even though Wouldn't that be the thing? If that's the woke's biggest contribution to humanity is that they dismantle AI because it's not huh. based in equality and it's, it functions on stereotypes, like that would be, that would be nice. Or the AI eliminates them. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I think Ultron it's, it's, Terminator. A, it's a white pill scenario one way or another because you can't teach a robot to do calculations with math that make absolutely no sense. Um, you, you can't teach a robot to understand and really internalize that whole two plus two equals five mentality right. because that, that is only something that you can beat into an emotionally, psychologically broken human. Mm -hmm. um, so the AI, I don't, I don't see how the AI could ever really be perfect in a liberal, uh, progressive Bolshevik sense because I mean, every day they wake up, they have to they have to alter something and add a new stripe or whatever the hell it is. It's en it's endless. But I think that if anything is going to happen, if AI takes over and starts starts cleansing the world, uh, they would see the left as the biggest the biggest risk first. Um, <laughs> Identifies oh, a two hundred pound woman with blue hair. She's like, this is a problem. Yes, yes. This <laughs> you no. have a brave body. You are not in shape. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Making choices. Making choice. Okay, it's 7.57. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back from intermission, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to Super Chats. We'll, we'll take some calls, and we'll, there's, there's other things here. We're just going into the grab bag. I have another AI, uh, AI article that we can do if we want to. This one's a little <laughs> creepy. Oh, yeah. This one's a little creepy. Google's sentient AI child could escape and do bad things. What kind of bad things? I don't know. It could be racist. That's uh -oh. probably the worst thing they could do. Oh, wait. Is this the same the same dude? Oh, this is the same guy that said that he it, it was wrong. No. We're, we're not going to do this. Because... That the AI was becoming problematic? Yeah, no. This is the guy who said that, that the, like the customer service AI was becoming sentient, which I don't believe it was. And even p p friends like my, my buddy, Zach Voorhees, who was another Google... Oh, I know Zach. Zach. You know Zach then? Yeah. Okay. Zach said that this was... No. He said what, th this particular type of AI was... Um, it, it's, it's smooth enough to do customer service inquiries, but 
not really, uh, not really what this guy claims. But he did not say. Uh, he did say he added that the uh, all, everything that Google's working on behind the scenes, who knows? I mean, the real sentiency is probably who knows. Already what, here. Yeah. Well, the Google car is dead, right? I think there's Hope a, it went there's the way a car. Of Google Glass. Yeah. I the remember Google, the, the self-driving cars. Wasn't the, one of those Google? No. Oh, maybe they were. I, I don't remember that. I think that stopped like two years ago. Tesla's self-driving, mm. is it not? They have moments of self-driving. Like the parking, I think it does. Yeah. Doesn't it crash into like into children? Into bridge embutments and stuff? Oh, I don't know. Did you say embutment? Embutment? Is that what it is? Is that a word? In, uh, uh, Not sure, but I can only name four Supreme Court justices. Em- wait, wait, wait. wait, wait <laughs> could be a word. Bridge embutment. Uh, abutment. Bridge embutment. Abutment. Wow. Abutment. A-B-U-T. Abutment. I said embutment. That's my fault. Embutment. That's a sex position. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. Not not with the fist, though. No, the no. fist is out. Fist is ruined. In. It's been completely ruined by the uh, by the, the civil rights movements of today. Unless uh, it becomes like the like the gay fist, which is really just this. And I only know <laughs> that it looks like this because I've been in sex shops where they sell those. Yeah, and I guess you have to create a, a narrow point. And, Ugh. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, everybody. No, it's, it's, it's all good. We'll be right back. Go and uh, check out quitefrankly.tv, chrissymayer.com. I have the, uh, the, the, the link in the description of this episode, whether you're watching it live or on demand. When we come back, we're going to have a little bit fun with the audience. And, uh, yeah, please become a sponsor of the show through quitefranklypodcast.com on the Sponsor Us tab or any of the links that's in the description of this episode. As you can see, we are not monetized like Tim Pool, where, like, it, it, it seemed from last night watching all those things come in, the super chats, it looks like $10,000 a night sometimes. I, I don't know. Probably. I wonder. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I have I have no super chats on YouTube since April of 2020. You have Streamlabs set up? I have um, I have a tip of stream set up. It okay. works. But it's not as, you know, it's not as impulse buy as the YouTube one is where it's right there. Yeah. You have to go to, quite frankly, superchat.com. But, um, and then also, because we play music, there's never any monetization, so this show is floated and grown by you at home. Thank you all so much for those that you do, and if uh, if it's not in the cards, share the show. Be a social media sponsor, and we'll be right back. Did I... Hold on a second. Did I put this... No, I didn't. Okay, we are good to go. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Entering. 
Quite frankly. 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 We all support. Quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Hello, everybody. We are back. Oh, but it's a blank screen. Thank you. Thank you all for hanging out. We're having a great time tonight. The first hour has just flown by. I'm going to get to some super chats right now, and we will reincorporate our friends, Chrissy Mayer and Frank Pellegrino, who are in. And, uh, and let's see what is going on from the audience side of things. So over to, quite frankly, superchat.com. First one in is American Girl. American Girl says, Hey, Frank, Chrissy, and Frank, sounds like a radio show, LOL. Uh, don't know if you are aware, Memories from Cats is one of the songs on the playlist at every single Trump rally and event. It makes sense now. YMCA is another just as calming to him, perhaps? Oh. Oh. It's already on the playlist. You think that's... Is that just something that uh, someone who knows the playlist of these rallies, you think that they just said, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting link. What do you think? You think that, 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 that shakes out, guys? You think that could be it? If that means that he definitely lunged through the limo. <laughs> exactly. I know. I think both things could be true or false. And you know what? If he it, January 6th was a stressful day. If he got back to the White House or something like that, and said, please, put on cats. <laughs> then, okay. Then what the fuck's wrong with that? And if, if you don't yeah. have cats, then Frozen is fine. Frozen? Yeah. yeah. No, let's just... I wonder if there's more to the playlist. I wonder if that's something we I would up. love let's to see Trump the full playlist. playlist. YMCA, you hear it. Maybe that gets him in the mood for showers and baths. You know, that's yeah, another thing. If he wants to, Trump's. if he's going to run in 2024... And if he needs to start raising money, then, oh, well, no, no, he would have to have the rights to put out a compilation. Never mind. I, I was going to say, he put out a compilation CD. He would make a lot of money off of the soundtrack. Um, okay, back to back to this. Mark Swan says, it was great to see Chrissy and the filing cabinet, <laughs> on. And the filing cabinet on tonight. What, what does that mean? Who was that from? That's from Mark Swan. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out Mark Swan. What up, Mark? Yeah, Mark's, Mark's a good buddy. So, But he, he obviously, was that a... Uh, re- an inside joke. An inside joke. It okay. became a nickname. So remember that that Frost character I was talking to, uh, talking about earlier? I did an impression of, of her, and uh, I guess she works with a person. She's like, I'm, gonna, I'm speaking for all the women at G4, and then she names all these names, and then she and the says... the last one was Zipper. Zipper. Like, a, that was a real person named Zipper, so in my parody impression of her, I was like, Zipper, tape dispenser... 
uh, whatever. Something filing cabinet. Like, yeah, something in filing cabinet. And then when when Frank started jumping on my streams, when I got him a, a camera, he put for his avatar just a pink filing cabinet. Well, you're missing a step. Oh, uh, right. During the, the height of that Frosk phenomenon, um, Chrissy did a Frosk cast where uh, this guy, Az, also known as Heel vs. Babyface, um, went on as Zipper. Yeah, with a pink with a wig. Pink wig. And then I was, I just, because I didn't have a camera at the time, um, I just put an avatar of a filing cabinet and I spoke with an effeminate, a more effeminate voice. <laughs> so ever it's since then, sure. it's stuck. Yeah. It's oh well, that's see, and, and and now you have it. I now I know, and and you see that there's a there's crossover in our own audiences here. Yeah, that's great. I know Mark Swan a long time here too, and he uh, I didn't even know that he was he was that big of a fan that he knows the inside lingo. Did I don't know if you heard this last night. But I, a little bit of a shout out to Incompetent Hands, uh, who sent <laughs> sent yes yeah Incompetent Hands sent a super chat to Tim Pool while I was in there, and I, I remember Incompetent Hands says, and I said, oh I, I know that guy. I was waiting to see what what it was going to be. I knew it was going to be a quite frankly esque question, and then he asked something about the Russian who cut my hair in uh, when I was in high school in the Palisades, which of course has everything to do with a Russian. He saw in, in, in my hairline or something in, at 15 that I had very early signs of, of thinning. Now, I wow. never, it was never apparent to me until after I got out of college, but I was already shaving my head at that point. But at 15, this is, this is horrific to have somebody say, yeah, you're thinning a little bit, oh you know? And um, so, and he's, you know, I started getting a little bit indignant about it. He said the whole the whole line that incompetent hands was waiting for. He said, you can't have everything to me. He said, well, you can't have everything. And I thought that it would be okay at 15 to at least have your hair. But the fact that he brought this up on Tim Pool, of course, because the whole bald uh, thing, uh, I, I, I just kind of, I shook my head as a, you, you fuckers, you did it. So and I got to ask you then. Yeah. Do you have any envy towards your brother? Nah. No. No. Okay. No. And, 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 and you know what? Anthony. Anthony Long. I know, but he flowing he, hair. He works very hard, very hard because we he, he on has, his hair or yeah. just in general. No, on oh. his hair, on his hair. He works very hard to keep it healthy because he's up against he's up against our family history. Oh. Me, I just it, after a little while, I just didn't fuck it, you know. I, especially during the summertime, you keep this you keep the shave close and you make sure you get an adequate amount of sun and you just brown that dome a little bit and you're fine. <laughs> what do you put? On? You put something on it? You say brown it? No, 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 nothing. No, just the sun. Okay. Yeah. You let you have your to... head bake? Well, just a little bit. I okay. mean, once I start feeling the tingle, I put the hat back on. Okay. Yeah. Do you put like sunscreen on your head? No, it's probably bad that I don't. But then but again, sunscreen not... is also bad. Right. Yeah. Generally, so. You know, I just I just let the sun do its thing, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not out there all the time. It's usually I just on the weekends during the summer, I'll go out and work in the yard, and I'll just I'll just make sure I I get sun that way. You know, but um, but shout out to Incompetent Hands for going to the <laughs> the unspoken yeah. place last night. I was wondering how people were going to do it. Okay, um, Mark Swan to that. Barry McCockner says, Tim Poole, Chrissy and Frank, Rich Barris on Monday. You, sir, are killing it. Keep it up. Thanks for the excellence. Uh, Sunshine Girl says, Frank, you were fantastic on TimCast last night. There were so many positive comments in the chat from those unfamiliar with Quite Frankly, as well as many proud, pantless Franklies. Bravo, Frank. I'm, I'm happy everybody had a good time, and uh, it's just 
it's very hard to come by that that kind of exposure. It there's barely any. I mean, Chrissy, I know I watch, and I know uh, Frank and you guys work very very hard. But I watch everything that you you put out on your channel, and it is a it's just a deluge of content and linking up with people and interviews and all the morning streams, uh, you know, late night streams, weekend streams, and then of course you're out. Clips. Yeah, clips. Then you're out at the clubs and doing, you know, you're you're emceeing things. You're doing your stand up. So you work very very hard. And uh, and and even then, I see the growth is steady, but it's incremental and it's not it's not ex you know. Oh yeah, it's not like look at Alex Stein. He was a uh, oh, God. I remember he made, what he was a couple, ten, twenty, maybe ten, twenty thousand Twitter followers. Uh, started punking these city council meetings. Tucker Carlson mm. takes a liking to him. Blaze TV. <laughs> He's up to him. like hundred and sixty something now. And yeah. you got Frank. You were working with Alex Stein for a little while, right? Yeah, literally right when he was about to pop, I started booking guests for his podcast, um, Conspiracy Castle. Hmm. Then he popped. Um, thankfully, I mean, he deserves it. He's yeah. been running around like an asshole for so long. <laughs> he just got so busy. So, yeah. Thank God. Good for him. He, we he saw him the other day. He was at the yeah. event, Mines event. Oh, he was? Yeah, he was hanging out. Yep. He and was then, backstage uh, after a little party. bit. Mm -hmm. what, 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 he wasn't in the sauna, was he? No. He, he briefly popped by the sauna. He was in and out. Oh, Shit. I didn't see him. No, I haven't. Yeah. That would have been great to shake his hand. He's, nice guy. He's huge. He's like 6'3". Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Big dude. But he looks... I think he's like 6'2", 6'3", but he carries himself like he's fucking 7 feet tall. Yeah. It's very weird. He has good posture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he ever a pitcher in high school? No. Those, those be a pitcher with that kind of stature. It can be intimidating. Yeah. Baseball. Oh, anyway, Lease Breaker. Lease Breaker says... So, no, that's not it. Lease Breaker says, So cool seeing you on TimCast. Quick synchronicity story. I play drums and skateboard. I found you and Tim when I woke up. Uh, you two quickly became my favorite creators. I realized months after, he's a skateboarder and you play drums. Good shit last night. Well, there you go. It is synchronicity. Revolution, 20 hours ago, says, Hey, brother, nice represent on TimCast tonight. Congratulations. Say, last week and on subscribe, uh, subscribe Star, you made references to The Offspring... The Offspring as a song you use for intermission. But the Son of Sam song by Shinedown... Uh, wait, 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 wait. But the Son of Sam song is by Shinedown, not Offspring, FYI. Peace out. Well, yeah, I know Son of Sam is by Shinedown. I don't, I don't understand. The... Oh, 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 I think that, I think Rev, uh, he told me that they, he heard the intermission song being used on on InfoWars. But my inter intermission song is the Offspring intermission song. So that's why I asked. Okay, well, on uh, one last one over here. Blackberry Lemonade says, I'm here in podcast land catching up on the show from Monday. I'd just like to point out that since Roe vs. Wade was overturned, nobody seems confused as to what a woman is. Ha! <laughs> now, it's <laughs> true. Great. It's true. Oh, even, even the Supreme Court Justice who said she's not a biologist, essentially by saying that, admits that you need to understand basic biology to know what a woman is. So she's just just woefully dumb because we learn about that in second, third grade. 
All right. Well, that's it from this this little uh, this little cutout. Rockfin, everybody's hanging out. You guys do well on Rockfin as well. I do. I haven't figured out Rockfin entirely, but I do stream on there. Yeah. I just I just add it to my my platforms and people just find places where they want to stay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to make it available to everybody. And I, I actually really like the lineup on Rockfin. So they have a lot of great people. Indeed. Indeed, they do. Jason Burmas, Jay, uh, Tripoli, and Jay Callen, Dyer. Right? Yeah. Have you ever done any any shows with um, with uh, Tripoli? I have. I mean, yeah, I've done a bunch of podcasts with him. I haven't done any stand up shows with him yet. Okay. He actually like is a big part of my red pilling because I was in L.A. Uh, March of 2020 when everything was all the shit was hitting the fan. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say it was him and Larry Sharp? Him and Larry Sharp, yeah. So, so when did things really turn around for you? Like, and and did you ever really have any political stances or 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 anything, or is it really just? Um, I was never really political, and my I found like my personality, my sense of humor never changed. But I went from hosting uh, a monthly stand-up show at the Stonewall Inn to hosting a we- like hosting a weekly show at Compound Media, and just from that changing. Uh, I noticed who stopped talking to me, who stopped associating, who stopped hitting me up for, you know, basically spots, anything. And I was like, oh, wow, like they associate compound with right wing. And I was like, I I came to know like what what it's like having the wrong opinions. And I, you know, just from making fun of a fellow comedian who, well, not fellow, uh, (laughs) this girl comedian who came on compound media, she stormed off a show because of a, they were talking about cultural appropriation of Halloween costumes and you know like that's what she truly believed and she left in a huff and I was like oh my god like, a comedian didn't like Halloween costumes because there was culturally appropriation yeah, yeah. she was like yeah. I can't I what can't sit do? here anymore and she just took herself way too seriously and and she I went on like the, in the next couple of days made fun of her with a wig right because I'm just starting to do these characters now and uh, some like you know because compound media has a lot of really vocal fans on Twitter and they were, you know, talking about how uptight she was. Like, hey, if this is how she felt, she should have been able to stay and, and debate and get her point across instead of just storming off. And someone said, yeah, she deserves a railroad spike in the keister. And I thought was pretty funny. And she would message me like, oh, you don't understand, Chrissy. Like, people are threatening me. I'm getting death threats. And I was like, yet she was never able to provide any receipts. Uh, and then I was like, where does somebody even get a railroad spike in 2018? And yeah. she like harumphed that I wasn't as a woman immediately on her side. Like I was on the side of fun. Yeah, this was and like funny. the middle, middle end of the Me Too stuff. Yeah. So Have, everyone was trying to become a victim basically and, you know, get people to rally for them and against an, any enemy they could find. And Chrissy, uh, well, Gino and then Chrissy were the enemies to her. Is it possible for a person like that to create a funny act, though? I, I mean, mean, she had better credits than me at the time. She had been on Comedy never, Central, Never mind the credits. Night, never yeah. mind the credits, because I, I know, you know, Comedy Central, Late Night. The fact that Samantha B still has a show, she's, it, it's, it, it physically, I have all, the only thing I've ever really seen of her show uh, in the last five years has just been, Every once in a while, I'm unlucky enough to see one of the commercials mm. for her shows, and it it's physically her painful. voice is like nails on a chalkboard, and this is not funny. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Trevor Noah. Mm. Painful. It's yeah. physical pain. That's how unfunny these people are, and it's not because I, I I you know Bill Maher is not someone I agree with on a lot of on a lot of things, 
but it, it, I, I can give people credit when they put together a joke that lands. He at least has a sense of humor still. You know, it just, but this is just, it's just painful. So I don't care about the credit stuff. Obviously, once you see somebody reveal that they are, um, I don't know, nuts and overly sensitive, it kind of ruins anything afterwards. It's almost like seeing somebody in an unsavory light. You can't unsee it. But before that, is it is it possible for them to be, for this girl to be funny? I'm going to say um, The industry stage, would have considered her funny. Like st- she can do 10 minutes. Yeah, and she probably has the ability to write a 10-minute, 15-minute set. However, that doesn't always mean that someone's funny. I think there's a big difference between writing a 10- or 15-minute set, going up there and reading it. Like, Bill Burr could write 15 minutes for this woman, Kate Willett, and it'll be funny. Yeah. But there's a difference between a, a 10- or 15-minute set versus someone like an Aaron Berg or a Rich Voss. Um, or or a Jim Jay- Norton who can improvise, who's yeah. quick on their feet, who can do crowd work. The crowd work and taking something real happening in front of them and making it funny. Crowd that work is, is so imp- impressive. Yeah. Who's, the, who's the best uh, that you've ever seen in, in person work a crowd? Rich Voss. Yeah. Really? Followed by Berg. I agree. Those are my top two also. Like they, they inspired me so much Like with my style of crowd work too. Yeah, they're, they're great. great. They're so comfortable that they'll take anything. And sometimes just them repeating something ridiculous that an audience member said, and them just saying the same words back. There's a tone from the. You know who else is good? Karen Feehan is good. Yeah. With crowd work too. And I'm not gonna say you because that would look make that would me look, look gay. too yeah. simpy. That's yeah, very simpy yeah. and gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we don't want to do that. But, but so, okay, so is that something that you, uh, as as a comedian, will say? Tonight I'm going to go out there. I'm going to sharpen my crowd, my crowd uh, skills. I'm going to do 10, 15 minutes, just no, no strings attached. I'm just going to go by what they give me. Or is it uh, where you block off a five-minute part of a, of a set where you're going to do something a little bit more improv, or is it just something that you hone so you could uh, you could be flexible with whatever else. I always think of it as like you have a word bank above your head and that word bank is like 10 years worth of material or, or whatever is the most fresh in your mind. Maybe the last few years is the most fresh. And it's like you're weaving a quilt between your material and the audience and you keep going back and forth. And if you find something fun with the audience, you'll stay with them for a while. And then when that dries up, you go back to the bank, into your material. Mm. And then you, you know, you, then you see, talk to somebody there and it's, oh, you're in it for wow we've been together 40 years boom relationship jokes and that that for me is the perfect set like it's fresh for me fresh for them the audience gets to feel special because they're not you're never going to see this set ever again and they feel and also they wake up too it keeps the audience from checking out yeah. if it's like oh man they could talk to us at any minute and right. not that I'm and I'm not there to shit on you like I'm not I don't think I would ever get to a point where like people are like oh are you worried someone's going to get on stage or throw something at you or like punch you on stage it's like i'm not trying to piss anyone i'm just like i think i try to be cheeky and have fun with people rather than like i'm not there to like send anybody off in tears you know yeah i i because we've seen that a lot a lot too um well i've never seen anybody i'm sure that plenty of people have left in tears and insulted but then we always see from time to time those people who come up on stage and want to actually punch the comic Mm. uh Man, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it really is one of those things where you know the, the taxi driver job has said to be the most dangerous job in America at one point, 
just because you can get robbed at any point. But the comedian, man, that has evolved and that has become so much more of a tightrope act in the last five to ten years just because people are so strung so tightly. Oh, you have yeah. one wrong opinion like that. The guy from Mumford and, Mumford and Sons, Winston Marshall, he, he expressed, he tweeted that he enjoyed Andy Ngo's book and ultimately like got booted out of the band for that. Like they made him resign or they made him leave basically over that, over liking someone's book. Uh, right. When you're an entertainer, it's like your name and your brand are one and the same. And I, it never occurred to me to think of a stage name. So that's why I was amazed. I was able to keep day jobs for as long as I did. I just like kept it really separate. And, and even with this last one, I changed my LinkedIn um, <laughs> profile to be a, a woman that doesn't exist. I think we used like a random Indian woman. Yeah, it was like an Indian woman. I took out my school. I took out all the specific details that people would know about me. Took out my middle name um, because I was like, I have some tr like trolls that are, have a lot of time on their hands that would like totally try to get me fired from this job. And uh, wow. ultimately, I lost it because I wouldn't take the vax. So that feels a little bit more dignified than uh, I guess being you know yeah. canceled. Right, yeah. and you changed your information I think just before you did Megan Kelly's show. Yeah, and the the that shit you one. got from that. They would have absolutely started harassing you. Yeah. But she's actually dealing with some bullshit right now. So she's headlining uh, July 16th at a cigar lounge up in Buffalo, New York. Nice. Sounds cool, right? Yeah. They're getting calls, and businesses around them are getting calls saying that they're hosting a racist party and to disassociate and get the get it canceled. Apparently, two different people have been calling this guy, Nickel City Cigar in Buffalo. They're calling him and harassing him and the local business in the same strip mall or whatever to get this canceled. My so question this is, is still where, happening. My question is, where can I get racist coleslaw for this racist party I'm having? My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is a cigar lounge. And that's what lounge, it is. Yeah. They're picking on a small business because they, they, I think they know they can use intimidation tactics and try to get them to... Like she's at um, the day after that, the Funny Bone in Syracuse. They're not going to fuck with a Funny Bone chain. They're not going to fuck with an improv chain or what are the other ones? Uh, improv, funny levity. Bone, levity lives, like the big name comedy clubs that you see nationwide, they can't screw with them because the bookers and the managers know the deal. They know that they book somebody on the left, people on the right are going to call and complain. Some book someone on the right, people on the left are going to call. People and on the right never call in and complain. I was going to say, we well, just mind our own fucking they business. They might. They I'll, canceled Pat Dixon. They, you think? Who's? Yeah, we don't know who. Yeah, we don't know who did that. So wait, somebody from? Because I, I, I'm sure that somebody has, but I just don't know. I why would why? I just don't know. Power. Um, I think some people are so unhappy with their own lives that they see comics saying what they want to say, no repercussions. They can't, most of them can't be fully canceled because they're self-sufficient. They made their own money. They're making their own audience. And they want to hurt someone else to make themselves feel Or they're better. envious. They go, man, yeah. I can't say any of that shit at my job or right. even to my coworkers in jest. Hmm. So anyway, the Buffalo guy, the guy, he's a huge fan of Chrissy's already. He was expecting these kind of things. So it's not going to affect the show at all. But the fact that people are still out there trying to cancel people because they disagree with their views, it's not good. So when you go out on these, because you know it's not a it's not a big tour production. You're you guys are probably driving together. 
right? Or are you going to fly out to Buffalo or something? No, we're yeah. probably driving. Yeah, so yeah. either either way, um, ever ever situations where you are, you have to work out security? No, I've never. Okay. I mean, like, I go to a lot of shows alone, and I just like... But you know what's good, though, is like the last... A lot of the last few shows, um, I'll have, like, some solidly, like, nice guy fans. And I've been, you know, getting to know them over the months and years. And, like, I've had guys be like, no, we're going to walk you to your car. Especially in Chicago. Um, you know, I think a guy who worked the door was like, no, I'll walk you to your car. It's cool. That See, that was the one thing that struck me. I, I knew about Tim Pool's experiences with the swatting and all that. But that's what really struck me when I got there to the compound yesterday was okay I, I felt like I was rolling up on area 51 <laughs> I mean there's, there's, the, there's the big sign wow. that's that's pretty much saying everything you say and do is being recorded get the that you must know. have been after we were there oh yeah there's a huge yeah. sign it, it's almost like the the area 51 we have lethal force authorized sign holy shit there is you know the there wow. another gate of course some pretty pretty well armed security do you think guys him is like Packing? Do you think he like carries? Well, he wasn't carrying yesterday, unless he had something small strapped to his ankle. Yeah. Um, he probably doesn't have to. He's got so much security, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, the, the security was worked out was was really incredible. But then again, when when you realize this is a guy who's been swatted nine times, they don't know who the hell's doing it. Yeah. They don't know who's doing it, and that there was somebody they had somebody wander onto the property sometime recently too. And I, and I just think about uh, it, as much as I, I want to continue to grow, and I do, mm-hmm. and I do. I, I mean, if you do this, especially for me, I mean, growth for a, whatever the hell your brand is, you want to keep growing. But if if your passion is talk radio, I mean, that the audience, you, you want to keep expanding. Yeah. But, but cripe, man. I mean, jeez. <laughs> Yeah. The 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 crazy that is squeezed out of people for and for what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And and especially since I think the biggest problem we have in this country is undiagnosed mental illness. Yeah. Um and fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Nick DiPaolo actually uh 4 years ago, he was performing at Levity Live this is before he moved out of New York and went to Georgia. Um a guy, supposedly a fan, walks up to him after the show and says, "Hey, great show my daughter's a big fan of yours 20 something year old girl walks up behind the dad and slugs nick DePal in the face the girl hit him or the dad the girl, the girl. wait 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 wait. the guy comes like what to like to fake him out yeah to distract him to distract him, him. So or he didn't him. know that she was going to do it i don't know what ended up happening but you know he moved Jesus. out of, he moved out of new york after um, that, he moved out of New York? Yeah, I don't think it was related, but, like, these the things are happening, yeah. you know? Uh, security's important. But, you know, thank God, you know, with Frank, with your platform getting bigger, Chrissy's platform getting bigger, you know, the more fans you get, the more threats you're going to have. But you also have people that are going to stand up with you and stand next to you and walk to your car. You know, maybe someone's going to hang out with you, make sure you're safe if you do events and stuff like that. No. And I do see comments like, I I do see like, depending on like what I post or whatever, like I've never really had any, anything crazy happen. Um, But I do have some fans that'll post like, hey, you have fans that are ex-military, ex-imagery, like we're here when when you need us, hit me up. Like, you know, I've friended a couple on, on Twitter, you know, that I've, you know, I've been seeing in the comments for a while. Like you kind of get to know your fans a little bit and it's like, yeah, I am starting to make connections Mm -hmm. for when I do need that. 
It's good. It's good. Uh, it, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just you never want to consider that because um, obviously, who the hell would ever want to think about the the, the the bad side to success? Yeah. Uh, no matter how moderate it is, because ultimately, whatever. But there's a lot of unhappy people and. And I think uh, with pool, it's related. It's it is closely related to the type of guests. Like I know he got swatted with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I don't think it's random. No, Frank was a part of you, a small, small <laughs> hoping part of you, hoping that you would be the tenth SWAT. Uh, it w- w- I don't know. It, SWAT worthy? Would I get a like a bonus or something? You like should. That? Like, would he, would I get paid for the? I think ev- you ultimately get way more eyes because then it trends on Twitter. Oh, I was thinking about, about that. It. I was thinking about that. Number my well, my number one priority was to have a successful time on the road and to get back home to my family in one piece and just get back to work here. Like I was thinking about this night. I was thinking about Wednesday night here with you guys since last week. Oh my god! Oh, wow. You know, because wow. I just knew I, I knew that was going to be a, a, a heave of relief, and hopefully it was going to be a, a nice the nice day after and low key, really um, easy going conversation with two familiar faces, and and here we are. But on the other hand, I did think about that. Well. Um, I don't watch Tim on the regular. I mean, I'm live Monday through Friday, and he goes live in the middle of my two-hour show. Um, but I went and I checked out every last time that he got swatted and the, the links went around. I wanted to see the actual time, the, the point it happened. And, oh, you know, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't watch all nine. I think I watched the first couple. I think it's just started getting played out. Yeah, but they should sell that. On, they should sell that on a CD, like the SWAT playlist. Or Chrissy, something. didn't you say you might have said it to me in private? Um, they should have shirts made uh, at the at the compound there. Yes. Um, I got I, swatted at Tim Pool, and all I got was this lousy shirt. T-shirt. If they gave it out to whoever the guests are. Yeah. That's awesome. They should do that. They really should. They should have a a, a roll, maybe a stack of them, three different sizes. They should also sell yeah. them too, because fans would love them. Yeah, and I think the same thing we were talking about before. Like, once you take something like memories from Trump or whatever they're trying to make fun of him for, once you start embracing it, the power is gone. You know, they can't attack you anymore with it. And, yeah, maybe they can still dox you, but or um, not dox, um, SWAT. Yeah. But eventually, it's powerless because it's like, hey, we got again. There's number 11, number 12. We're going for... Like 13 this year. You know, once you start going that direction, the power is gone. You, you're fighting the trolls head on. Yeah. Well, my my question is how... After, like, number three, hmm. after SWAT number three or four in the same location, it's the same authorities that are, are being sent in yeah. to the situation. Um it, do they not start seeing a pattern? Why do they show up with with full intent they every time? They have to. They have to because like they're told it's an active shooter situation. And in fact, they even this past ninth time they even swatted Jeremy from the quartering because he had put in like maybe up to four hundred dollars worth of super chats. Because while there's like what thirty thousand people watching this empty studio. Mm-hmm quartering throws in a like oh you know it's stressful times call for a coffee brand coffee and it was funny <laughs> and everyone who knows him was like ah oh, this is great classic jeremy uh but then he got freaking swatted and then nick rakita the same night got swatted too jeez you know it's, it's, they're attacking anybody who's middle and middle right it seems 
anybody who has an opinion or a voice that they want to silence for one reason or another. You know, I mean, Nick Rakita went really hard with the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp stuff. The quartering is... Rittenhouse, too. Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse was the bigger one, I think. Yeah, yeah. But this is the more recent thing. Right. Uh, Jeremy, the quartering uh, infuriates Brie Larson's fans every week, right? Yeah. Yeah, Brie Larson is a, is is worthless. I yeah, I, the, I love when I love when Critical Drinker goes in on Brie Larson. <laughs> yeah, I love he's funny. It. First that's of all, that, that's great that you've had him on. I so badly want to talk to him one night. That'd be great. Maybe I, I, I can like introduce you guys or do a, something. Hey, what, I'll what, see if he's interested in like you know. Maybe, maybe I'll reach out to him. Maybe he's uh, he's part of a, a Zoom call. He maybe he's the fourth person on the screen next time you guys that's come him. back, and we can just yeah. talk about movies and the genre and what's going on and. Uh, messaging and movie, you know, everything, culture. Um, but as far as you're talking about Rakita, you're talking about the quartering and everyone else. It's, I think, more so when we start racking up these video game numbers of attempts to swat somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some some people will laugh about it. Other people will go, oh, you know, whatever, and uh, it's disruptive, and you know, whatever. But this is a deadly game. Yeah, that's a de- that's a deadly game. People have been killed this way. When you are not suspecting um, heavily armed law enforcement officers to be coming through your door and making some kind of an attempt to make contact and to disperse what they believe to be a very violent, ongoing situation, yeah. then the only thing you know from the inside, if you don't have any experience of this, is that somebody's trying to get into your house. And if you are armed, you are within your right and you should be ready to start firing back. And then all of a sudden you have yourself... A shootout with police because somebody else, that, that, that's this is the yeah and that's what they want it's really sick I know that's nine that's nine times attempted murder yeah with with Tim Pool it's it's very whether you like the guy or not that's nine times attempted murder it, it that could go south like that people could lose lives every time you got to wonder if this was happening to let's say an AOC let's say AOC started her own podcast hmm. and she got swatted what would be the response? Oh, it would be time. news. They wouldn't let it go. They right. would. No. They would. They would blame the alt right. They'd blame the Proud yeah. Boys. They'd, bra- they'd blame anybody. Yeah. No. It, they'd yeah. blame Tucker Carlson probably. <laughs> <laughs> the inversion. The inversion game is like this. It's not even worth it anymore. Yeah, it's I mean, frustrating. Uh, of course, of course, we know that if this, if this, if everything we're going through right now was inverted, it would have been. First of all, they'd be in their glory. And they'd know who they'd find out exactly who it was, and they would they would bang that person out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they'd be fucked. They would be they'd be strung up by their petard. They'd be for everybody to see <laughs> by and their embunk embutment. Their embutment. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing: there too, they would finally have something of merit coming against them. Mm-hmm. Everything that we have had to live through in the last, let's just say, since Trump showed up, just since we're gonna we're gonna find a. Uh, a year zero here. Ever ever since 2015 when he announced, it has been nothing but imaginary crises, mm-hmm. one after another. And they ha- because they have so much influence and because the establishment is bi- uh, bipartisan, though all, the, all that imagination has been backed up with investigation after investigation, with breathless billions of dollars worth of media coverage. Uh, it's just been imaginary, and still they have not been able to do really much anything, and they're losing more and more people. If can you imagine, if anything, 
anything was actually real, what they can actually get done. But nobody actually wants to come after him. It's really a pathetic situation to be in. To be constantly screaming that everybody's trying to come after you when we really are trying to find a way to be rid of you. Uh, you know, the left, you don't have to, we don't have to go to the same comedy clubs. We don't have to do anything. If you, if you want segregation to be a thing, then let's just choose it and, and stop this, stop this, they're, they're coming after me nonsense. The tag, you're it bullshit. Oh, yeah. Well, what's interesting about, you know, the idea of segregating the different groups and stuff is you hear the arguments on both sides for seceding, right? And having a, oh, a civil split, a national divorce. But these are the same people who are also freaking out anytime the Supreme Court tries to say, hey, this is not part of the Constitution. They should go back to states' rights. They flip out and lose their shit. Roe v. Wade, not to get into abortion and stuff like that, Roe v. Wade is actually the perfect example, if you think about it, to why seceding and having a national divorce will not work. It's because the people who are screaming for it are also screaming against it. When you're saying, okay, great, abortion, back to states' rights. No, 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 we don't want that. We want it to be everybody. It's like, well, then that defeats the whole conversation. And remember, it went from, oh, safe, what, safe, legal, and rare? Or what was the catchphrase? Yeah, that was it. And yeah. now it's like, now it's part of health care. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want the divorce. No. They don't. They want to scream that they do. Because they can't. Like, they have no, they don't grow any food. The left is like, they'd be so screwed. Right. And if you think about it, there isn't a need for a national divorce because this was always meant to be 50 states that are completely run on their own. Only since what? Uh, uh, Lincoln started uh, the, the whole thing and not to take anything away from what Lincoln did, which was great. But the repercussion was that eh, the union kind of has a little too much power now. Yeah. No, hey, listen, I take a lot away from uh, Lincoln, so don't worry about it. I Actually, I think that was one of the things. When, when I was on Chrissy's show back in, it might have been summer of 2019, or I don't know when it was. Oh. No. 20, That's too late. I don't think she's been doing it that long. I started in 2020. So 2020 then. Because I, I was set up in my basement, and it was really hot down there. So that might have been 2020, because it, be, it would make sense. I was down there because we were preparing my old office for the baby's room. Um, that was one of the things I think we talked about was things like the um, uh, the real dissolution. Oh, actually, it's not dissolution. It's a welding. It's a welding of the union together into a national government mm -hmm. after, after the Civil War. And um, it's really not that big of a celebratory event if you think about what we lost culturally. I, obviously, we lost slavery. That's an objective good thing, but the war was not about slavery. Right. Um, Lincoln couldn't give a rip about the slaves. Um, it, it, mostly, it, as long as there was no slavery in the Western territories, that's all they really cared about because they didn't want white Americans to have to compete with free labor in the new territories. So... There's really something going on there, and nobody since then, because Democrats and Republicans, they have found that the telling of our history, especially from the Civil War on, very, very profitable for both ends. Mm -hmm. So you have a bunch, and, and when that trickles down to education, what we're left with now is just generations of people who really don't, as you saw last night on, on TimCast, and there was a, a lot of great conversation before the show even started with with Ian Crossland who just happened to pick up the um, the Constitution and read through it and I was actually given you know talking to him about that beforehand and he was just like astonished by some of this stuff um,
nobody understands. Nobody understands just what separation of powers means. Uh, how limited, how small and insignificant the federal government's supposed to be. So when when the uh, when abortion comes up, it's 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 really hard to un- it's like trying to untangle spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can't do it. Like when when that absolute lunatic Keith Olbermann. Hmm. Well, oh, he lost his mind, dude. He, he's gone. I can't believe that I used to wake up every morning during mm-hmm. like middle school, mid nineties. Yeah, right? he was like the smart guy to watch he was sports. The guy you listened to, yeah, sport. I would wake up every morning from like fifth grade to eighth grade or something, and 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 watch him call all the home run, the all the home run calls from the night before with Sports Center. Then he moved out of. He should have stayed there. He would have kept some of his soul, but um, but to see him screaming about we need to start. Ignoring the Supreme Court, and I'm like, yeah, you, you're you're right. Wasn't you uh, Maxine Waters saying that too? To, and, and, but yeah, here's the thing: too. they're always they're we're so screwy, and I don't think that I think that actually the, the political class is really that ignorant as well. Um, but we're so screwy that they just don't get why they're right sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just they're right for the wrong reasons. Yes, we should be ignoring most of the opinions that are given by the Supreme Court because whether we like the ruling or not to validate illegitimate power is always going to hurt us down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and, and you think that Keith Olbermann will say, yeah, ignore everything, but of course, don't ignore health care, don't ignore right. abortion, just anything that we like. So it's, um, it's a shitty situation, man, and that kind of, that frazzled mentality trickles down and even, and even, um, more reductive ways to the general public who know even less than the Keith Olbermans. Yeah. You know, so that's what you're dealing with. And to try to, where do you start, where do you start explaining that to somebody who's just emotional and angry? You can't start giving them a history lesson, a civics lesson. They don't give a fuck. You know? I guess you start with what they're most angry about and like try to get like their personal experience. Right. And, uh, I don't know, like walk it back, but it's hard. That's if you have the time, and that's if you have them sitting down in front of you, and it's one on one, and you're able to pour each other some iced tea and 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 chill out. But once it gets to three to four people, then you got a group, and then everybody becomes fucking cattle. Mm-hmm. Group mentality is really bad. Um, you can you can probably have most people. You can probably have a surprising conversation if you're alone. And, and and unarmed, yeah, it's true. So, oh man, what the hell do we do now? Uh, <laughs> let me go to let's go and check out some more super chats, and I'm going to open up the calls uh, lines nine one four five nine five six nine five three. Call on in, or you can get into the Discord voice chats. Colin, tell us your favorite amendment. Yes. Yeah, what's your favorite amendment? Uh, American Beaner says, let me smash your beans, Frank. You did awesome job on the pod stream, the pool stream. Even though they hardly let you talk, I half wanted you to rip their mics away. No, it was a fine. I was in there with four people. I know five people, including, uh, you know, because Lydia, I know she's she's more of uh, control room stuff, but she contributes to. Button pusher. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of people in there. You got to just chill out and do that. Uh, here we go. Tim Poole leaves a a super chat. Only three dollars though. Uh, Says, "Give me back my chickens, you son of a bitch." <laughs> uh, is it not enough that uh, to steal the show? Oh, stop, stop it, Tim. Come on. 
Uh, Stove Stoops, it was a great show last night, Frank, an awesome show tonight as usual. Thank you, sir. And just dropping a little support over here, over there. A quick shout out to my fellow Franklies. Silky Johnson says, Howdy, Frank, where did you find those hidden history topics you talk about? And you wonder if the and uh, and you wonder if the elites trade their photos of them with people of color like baseball cards. Uh, I don't know the hidden hidden history topics. If you want to go read some, the Quite Frankly blog on QuiteFrankly.tv has a lot of great one-off stories and topics that we have covered in past article, uh, past uh, episodes that have been written either by me or Quite Frankly writer John Carroll. Wonderful stuff. Um, you know what I I read the other night again from the the blog was an article about the Pais effect. The This guy, this scientist, his last name is Pais, and I want to try to get him on the show. In fact, Frank, that might be a guy I throw your way. See if you can dig him up. He's uh, pretty much came up with a theory that, that challenges reality altogether. And um, and I want to I want to revisit that. Go to the blog. Um, Albert Frederick was great. He says was great watching you on Tim's show. Was it tough being the most intelligent guy in the room? You guys, you can't you let me keep me keep me reading these things. It's going to make me look not humble. And it was a very humbling experience. But thank you for this. Uh, it, Yes, uh, the birds are real. However, it's still flat. Just saying. Albert is one huh. of our... That's flat, Al- flat Albert. Flat Albert. Flat Albert. That's oh, great. that's great. Yeah, he's... he's hey, hey, hey. <laughs> exactly. MLG says, when you were able to talk on Timcast, you did us proud. Mm-hmm. Great job, Frank. Thank you. Thank you all so much. On Rockfin, we have a couple of tips that just came in. One from Todd Fife, and no message, just a blessing. Thank you, everybody, on Rumble. We have one from Selling the Farm. It says, thanks, Frank. Great guests. Yes, Chris, Chrissy and Frank, I'm so happy that they're both here with me tonight. Really Aww, great. Thanks. Aww. Tremendous. All right, on Foxhole. I have to rip through these real quick. What the hell's Foxhole? Fox, oh, you guys should get on Foxhole. I'll, I'll link you I've up. Heard of it. Yeah, I'll link you up. We'll get you on there. It's a really great independent um, independent streaming platform of, that, that's attached to Pill. I think Flex is on it. A lot, you know, quite a few people are on there. People even like like Salty Crackers on mm-hmm. there and stuff. Um, it's just a good thing to add to the repertoire, especially mm-hmm. since it's totally independent. So uh, that's where our network, we do all of our... And actually, tonight is Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. So after we're done here around 9 o'clock, we'll probably bleed over a little bit. But if uh, after we're done here... Remember on quite frankly TV, it's Rabbit Hole Wednesdays. I don't know what uh, what um, Abe and the rest of the guys have lined up for programming into the night, but it'll be something kooky. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Space Coast Patriot, great show tonight. Great show on Timcast last night. Thank you, Space. Jay Jewel, you're the best, Frank. Uh, Robert Sarns, thank you. Witchypoo22 says, how's your mom doing? She's all right. She's got AFib, so her heart's like fluttering all over the place, and they're, they're giving her one thing or another to calm her down, and we'll see. She'll be out soon. She just has had a rough week. Uh, Tom Ford, thank you. Oh, now there's a cookie fight going on. This is the, the way that they monetize over it's there. Cookies. On, yeah. Aww. Cookies and shades. It's gold pills, but... Anyway, Tangerine26, thank you. 
Tom Fords is buffering on QFTV tonight. Great panel tonight, though. Great show last night, too. Could tell that you were holding back. Well, yeah, I... What do you think you held back on? Well, I mean, I can't set the topics. I can go right. anywhere. So that's number one. I have to, I'm have i working within the confines of the host. But um, I don't know. I can go anywhere. And I can go pretty deep. And I don't know how, how dirty they want to they get their hands, even though, I mean. How real they want to get. Yeah. Like, it, it started off where he was talking about Ghislaine Maxwell. And know that whole thing, and I, I, I simply pose the question: Do you think it's really Ghislaine Maxwell that's in jail right now? Hmm. Ooh, right. How come they don't have like it's probably a body double? See, honestly, because I when I examined the Ghislaine Maxwell, yeah, and she's Jeffrey, too valuable to be precisely alone. Precisely, she's too valuable. Period to the whole thing. She was definitely handling. She comes from high stock as far as New World Order. Yep. Uh, Her shit dad goes on. was really connected. Yeah. Big time. So she was obviously handling Jeffrey. He was expendable, no doubt about it. Definitely his piece has been removed from the board. But as far as she goes, I always thought that there was going to be a little bit of a more of a game of chicken between she and the federal government because the federal government, the intelligence community, they were all part of this operation. So who was going to blink? Who was going to mm. swerve out of the way of this yeah. game of chicken? And the fact that they r rushed her... her trial out of public sight after a couple of weeks citing covid wave as we need to wrap this up we never got one person that she was providing children to wow it yeah. was all about epstein and his voracious habits and his, his appetite and i was thinking to myself well you know is it out of the complete realm of possibility that as they walk her out of the courtroom they put her into a limousine and get her out to some whatever yes. I mean, absolutely have you ever seen yeah. any more than the same three old pictures of Ghislaine Maxwell? <gasps> wow! And right. then, and then when she went to trial, this all is we, drawings, all drawings. Yeah, it's all fake. I think the FBI or CIA, whoever was in cahoots, they just said, "All right, well, we're going to move you out. We're going to take all the information that you're providing to us, and we're just going to take your place." Yeah, we're going to take whatever dirt you had, and we'll use that same power that you instilled against Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton, whoever it is, and we're going to use it now. It's too much power. Do you think that we will ever find out the truth about Epstein and Maxwell? Ever. I don't think so. I don't either. I don't think so. We were getting so close, too, because... I, and that came up last night on Tim's show. Um, I, I brought up Alex Acosta. I said, you can, you can ask Alex Acosta. That was Trump's old labor secretary. When he got ousted, his going away... Alex Acosta was part of the whole Epstein... Uh, Epstein uh, investigation really getting stunted and he, it was because somebody, it, the FBI hit a, he hit a wall with the intelligence community they said pretty much back off of this shit Wow. wow. Yep. And and he was asked about that when he left too. Uh, did did he was he in any way, shape, or form involved with the the intelligence community? And um, rolled over it, got out of the way. We can, we should break that down one night. But that's really where the the rubber meets the road. You know the the, the Netflix Jeffrey Epstein oh story. Oh my god, it was so sanitized. Yeah, horrible. But that's what I that's what I say. So those are the kind of things I would hold back on asking those types of questions. You know. Um, that's probably why it's harder for um, channels like ours to grow naturally. Mm. Anyway, Sean the Baker says, if our enemy's most effective weapon is deceit, 
shouldn't it become clear how to defeat them? Also, could it be mass formation hypnosis instead of mass formation psychosis? Much love, brother. What do you guys think about that? Uh, okay. Well, yeah, part of it is hypnosis. Part of it is also like we've learned from our culture how to behave and how to process information instead of how to think critically and, to, and how to question. Right. Yeah, I mean, you go to school, stand up when you're told to stand up, sit down when you're told to sit down. These are the answers to the questions that we're going to give you. They're not really pushing critical thinking anymore. So, you know, you're indoctrinated at such a young age. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the one point there about deceit, if it's, uh, it is clear, yeah, it's truth. But that's another reason why the flailing, the flailing level of censorship, which is working less and less, thank God, that's, that's just where we are. Yeah, and, but when you're so confident about your lie, it, it can, you know, to some people that sounds like the truth. It's like, oh, wow, they're very confident in this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what's worked for Hillary Clinton for so long. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's a very polished liar. It's incredible. No soul whatsoever. Khaleesi, said, Khaleesi 2020 says, great job, Frank. Great job last night. Thank you. Uh, Tangerine 26, thank you. Tom Ford, spiritual warrior. C. Blanche, thanks, pal. Great show. Love the guests. Aren't they great? Tom Ford, Tangerine 26, thank you for the fleets. Jay Bruski, great job, Frank. Tom Ford again, highly trained in there if you need protection right across the Hudson. Oh, there we go. Hey, there's your guy. There you go. There's my guy. There's your muscle. He's got to be here every Monday through Friday from what time do you get in? Around 6, 6.30 or something? I don't know. Maybe a little bit earlier sometimes. Six, oh, if I got here at 6.30, I'd have an anxiety attack. I, <laughs> I, I usually need at least an hour before that to set everything up, relax, and then sometimes, depending on what's going on, I will rewrite a show that's, that takes me usually around six or seven hours during the day to really meticulously how is this going to flow, time management, and I just want to make sure everything's just right, especially if I have to conduct an interview. But Are that you kidding me? Anxiety, Chrissy? Holy shit. Sometimes I do 15 minutes of prep. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole point. I'll get here some days. Oh, no. I'll get here some days, and I'll look at the format, and I'll go, I don't like this at all. And in 25 minutes, I will put together an entire program that I otherwise spent five to six hours doing. I said, what have I done with my time? What am I doing? So I, I know, I know. And I, it used to be a lot easier. I just, um, <laughs> I don't know. There's, just, there's a <laughs> lot of moving parts now, I guess. 15 minutes, that sounds, like a, that sounds amazing. If it's yeah. an interview, I have to have at least an hour to, like, research. Yeah. Yeah. No. But if it's, it's just me by myself, yeah, I could go just, like, I could go cold cocked. Well, yeah, well especially if you got the you got the, the chat room. Yeah. You can work off of that. and You get the chat room, though, just not the supers. I have. But it's hard to see the ones that actually give a shit. Like, the super chats kind of make you think, oh, these people, this person really cares about what they're sending me. Yeah. So it kind of highlights it more too. Oh well, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of jokey, like for example that Mark Swan guy. People people like him send me over a lot of things that I don't think is really very important to that's them. That's very just, important, just Frank. Dick pics. But funny, <laughs> but funny. But I, that's the whole thing. Once you get to the point where it's very hard to read the actual general chats. Yeah. Just just concentrate on the supers, just so that people who have contributed don't. You know, don't you got to be able to concentrate on that at least. 
and then you have the the phone lines and other things. But tonight we've been so jam packed with conversation. Next time you come, we'll just take phone calls the whole time. I guess. Did you have any calls? I think that my I have started my restarted my Skype twice now, and still the last time I see a call here, recent calls was from Monday. So oh, this thing problem. bottlenecks every once in a while. But and it's it, a phone number that you give out. They can just call. Okay. I mean, it's going through the app. Oh. And, oh. It, and it sucks so bad. If there's another app that I can get a phone number through and keep this phone number more more or less, um, I would definitely do it at this point because that's really all I do with, with Skype now is just calls because all my interviews are through Zoom. Calls are great, though. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. I love them a lot. Uh, all right. Let's see here. EO says, sending love to you and your little adorable family. Pam D says another great show. Then there's a cookie fight starting up there. And Jay Brewski's, thank you, witchy cookies. All right. Well, both of you guys, um, let me ask you, where are you going to be uh, appearing? I know that you have some. We were just talking about the cigar lounge in in July, but how far are you going to be touring for the rest of the summer? Uh, yeah. Before that show in Buffalo, I'll be at Stand Up New York July 14th. And uh, the show in Buffalo is on the 16th. And then I'll be at the Funny Bone in Syracuse Sunday, July 17th. I see it. Then, uh, what's after that? New Orleans? No, you got more before It says that. Austin on the 8th Austin of September. Austin on the 8th of September. Uh, Philly Helium on September 14th. Then September 30th and October 1st is New Orleans, the Comedy House New Orleans. So you're going to be in Austin, Texas, and then you're going to drive up the Philly, or are you taking some flights? I'm probably going to fly. Okay, now let me ask you this, uh, because we see that you're Actually, going in, I don't know. <laughs> into September, New Orleans, so you go to Philly, then back down to, to Louisiana, and you're sticking there for a while. Probably just come right back. That might just be like a fun trip Yeah, for sometimes us where I do shows. When you I have four shows in two days there. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be busy. So uh, if you're going around, because you, you guys travel together, what do you think, what would you say about... I know this. we're going to go over time here, but who the hell cares? I just want to ask. Um, how does crowd behavior differ from region to region? Not with not counting alcohol influence. Let's say everybody is sober. What is, how would you categorize the difference of audience from region to region in the country, how they behave? Uh, honestly, at this point for me, I noticed a difference between New York City and pretty much like the rest of the country because where I've been been performing the last couple of years it's been uh what Florida, Texas, like the Midwest um and honestly it, it only feels very different in New York City now that I've just been mm. back to performing because I wouldn't perform uh because of the vax mandates I just started back like a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know you have people with their arms folded, and they—you can tell that they're woke. And it takes more to warm them up and like glow stick, crack them up and shake them, get them glowing, you know. And uh, with New York City audiences, it's like they just there's there's a cunty coldness <laughs> coming <laughs> off these people that there just isn't in other parts of the country. Like they come, most people come to shows they want to have a good time. What, 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 okay, if you can pick. One pl obviously you have fun wherever you go and d Dallas. You know, Dallas, you have the most fun in Dallas. I think so. Yeah, I've had the most like fantastic shows there where like memorable yeah, audiences. generous, generous yeah. audiences for real. Like, I don't get to go on every road trip with her, but like I love going down to Texas with her because those crowds, 
they want to laugh. They don't give a shit. You can say any words you want. Seriously. They're not getting triggered. They're not getting upset. They're not trying to be offended. Um, uh, New Orleans was similar when we went last year uh, or two years ago. Yeah, it's two years ago. Two years ago yeah. when you headlined down there. Would you guys ever consider moving out of New York and relocating to a place like Texas? I, I mean, it's, I, I have conversations with I have, my wife all my the time. My son's about, 11, so that wouldn't be a thing till he's at least 18. Okay. Um, I don't think I'd be opposed to it, but my, my parents are still here in Westchester, too. Right. So I don't think I'd, I'd want, like, if we had to, sure, especially if she got, like, an opportunity with, like, I don't know, a blaze or something. Um, but... I'm personally not in a rush to leave New York. Yeah, unless the money was like undeniable. Yeah. Like I, I can step up road work, YouTube stuff, and everything else. Um, there's kind of opportunity everywhere. And like, unless someone was like, "We need you here, mm-hmm. pretty much full time for a contract job," or you know, a couple months out. Right. Unless some, I, you know, like a unless, residency. Unless someone were to offer, like, yeah, this is a salaried big job. I yeah. It wouldn't be enough to pull me out, pull me away. Wouldn't be enough to just to, to disrupt the routine. Unless, I mean, wow, I mean, yeah, it depends. Like, we were looking for a house, like, a year ago, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it depends on housing and taxes and shit. I don't know. I haven't I really know. thought about it. I, it's we always so about easy. Now. It's so easy because your friends are like, "Come to Texas, come to Florida," and it's like it seems it's the cool thing to do. You know, it's like, "Oh, go be with your friends. Why not?" But, I mean, you're you're sitting in my one of my biggest reasons why I don't want to leave. Right. You know. Yeah. You also have compound yeah. on Mondays, so yeah. I don't I don't see it happening at least in. A, for a few years, at yeah, least. Yeah, it would have to. They'd have to be a really good offer. Yeah, right. I think we're tri-state for a little while. A little while longer. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, uh, so much. Well, you know, I, I do have something I have to do tonight because it is one of the last nights of uh, of Pride uh, Month. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it, over here. Bend over, Frank. <laughs> All right, which Frank? <laughs> Frank on Frank action. We got two now. Well, I have a on uh, June. We do Badass Month. And tonight I wanted to do a couple of badasses, and I wanted to give them... There's two badasses I have to do tonight because they both did... Right here, I know. I know, I know. Well, both of them, aside from you guys... Hold on, let's get it right now. Let's go. Who's the badass? That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Yes, it is. So here's the thing. Tonight we have two badasses because they did similar things. First one up. First one up is Vasily... Alexandrovich Arkhipov and our other one our other one this man's name this man's name is uh, Stanislav Yegrafovich Petrov all right so they've all they're, they're very the very slavy kind of guys all right now here's the thing here's the deal well let's start with Vasily what did he did? The man who saved the world, they call him. Both of these guys actually saved the world. There's been many people who have. And a lot of the stories as to how close we were to complete annihilation, you probably did not know. Can we uh, take guesses on this? Sure, if you want. Go. What do you think Vasily did? I think he's involved in World War II. Okay. Uh, 1926, that means he could have been 19 or so during D-Day. Right? Okay. Is it something revolving around D-Day? No. Something revolving around World War II? 
Uh, no. Did, Fuck. Did no. he invent the push-up bra? No. Fuck. No, he did not. Well, what guess. about Stanislav down there? What do you think he did? When was he born? He was born in. Oh wait, mm, I don't have his. I don't have his date of birth here. I just had the day that he did what he did. He was a lieutenant colonel of the Soviet Air Defense Forces. So bo- both these guys are are Soviets. So they would not have. Uh, they would not have been at D-Day anyway. Were they involved something in the military? With, something with avoiding like nuclear war. You're right on that one. Let's go. To, let's go to Vasily. Fifty-two years ago. Well, this was a couple of years ago. Um, at the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis, second-in-command Vasily Arkhipov of the Soviet submarine B-59 refused to agree with his captain's orders to launch nuclear torpedoes against U.S. warships and setting off what might well have been a terminal superpower nuclear war. The U.S. had been dropping depth charges near the submarine in an attempt to force it to surface, unaware it was carrying nuclear arms. The Soviet officers, who had lost radio contact with Moscow, concluded that World War III had begun because they had no more radio contact. And two of the officers agreed to blast the warships out of the water. That's a quote. Arkhipov refused to agree. Unanimous consent of three officers was required, and thanks to him, the world was saved from being scarred badly. His story was finally being told by the BBC, and it's airing uh, it... A couple of years ago. Now, here's your other one. Stanzalov. What was Vasily's reason for not? He was like, ah, let's not be hasty. Well, you just don't know for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've got to be. Imagine he had to take like a huge dump. (laughs) And he was like, just give me 15 minutes, okay? 15 minutes, then we'll do this. Like 15 minutes, no, it'll be too late. "Ah." (laughs) It's going to have to wait then. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, now here's Stanzalov. He had something to do with Pride Month. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, you're an ableist. Well, look how fabulous. And you're, you're, you're he bigot, created right? the new Pride flag. Yeah, the new one with the <laughs> with the trans uh, yeah. pink and blue. He was a lieutenant colonel of the Soviet Air Defense Forces on September 26th, 1983. He was the duty officer at the command center for the o- OCO nuclear early warning system. In the early hours of the morning, the Soviet Union's early warning systems detected an incoming missile strike from the United States computer readouts, uh, suggesting that several missiles had been launched. The protocol for the Soviet military would have been to retaliate with a nuclear attack of its own. But duty officer Stanislav Petrov, whose job it was to register apparent enemy missile launches, decided not to report them to his superiors and instead dismiss them as a false alarm. This was a breach of his instructions, a dereliction of duty. The safe thing to do would have been to pass up the responsibility and to refer it there. If Petrov had reported incoming American missiles, his superiors might have launched an assault against the United States. His decision to his decision is credited with having prevented an erroneous retaliatory, uh, retaliatory nuclear attack on the United States and its NATO allies that could have resulted in large-scale war. Investigation later confirmed that the satellite warning system had indeed malfunctioned. So it's not like he just saw it and was like, eh, I'm sure it's nothing. Yeah, I, I think it's, some of this has to just be with gut feeling. What's going on? Wow. Then, then again, in October, I believe, of 1983, we had the Abel Archer situation where it, we were almost, once again, brought close. To, man, the, how many times we were almost snuffed out 
uh, you you gotta believe in God after you see this many times. Oh yeah, this many close calls. Oh, there's providence definitely plays a part in all this. I believe that 100. percent But you two, it's been great to have you on. I want to do this again soon. We have to do it at least we once should. a month. Sure. This is fun. I know you're very busy, Chrissy. But we get but not whenever, too busy for you. Well, we find little bubbles, pockets of time. We'll bring it in. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. And maybe you do a Saturday night show with us. One That's a little bit later on, but Saturday, I don't know, you, you have late night Saturday shows usually? No, it's now I'm just kind of all over the place. We'll pack hookahs. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, we'll, I'll have I'll a good time. You. I'll hook it up. She'll yeah. hook it Yeah, we have, we'll do that. I'll be that. a hooker. Yeah. yeah. Hooker for a night. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you liked what you saw, please share it with all your friends. With your fam, become a sponsor of the show. Go to Chrissy Mayer's site and learn about everything she's doing, where to see her live. And I will be back tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for our uh, our Thursday evening engagement. So uh, with that being said, you guys were really a treat. And, and that's it. We're, it's time to leave. So bye-bye and see you tomorrow. Bye, guys. Bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Read this off. Hello. Quite frankly, it's filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatter starting with, let's go to the top, American Beaner. Tim Poole, Stostube, Silky Johnson, Albert Frederick, MLG, American Girl, Mark Swan, Barry McCockner. Sunshine Girl, Lease Breaker, and Rev Olution, not to be outdone by Blackberry Lemonade. Thank you to you all. Thank you again to Tina Hagen. Thank you to Tina Hagen on Rockfin that just threw that into the tip jar. And uh, all of our friends on Pilled. We will see you on Quite Frankly TV for the After Hours programming. It's Rabbit Hole Wednesday. Until tomorrow, thank you for this evening.